everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. And, you know, a reminder for today's episode, as with all others, it's not a spoiler free episode. So there could be things that we talk about today that come up in future episodes of Felicity. It may not happen as much with this particular one, but um, we'll see. I am Melissa and I'm here with my exuberant co-host Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? Are you indeed exuberant or did I just make that up? I think you may have made that up. Okay. I, I was going to say that was an interesting word. Um, yeah. It just yeah, came to uh, mind. Yeah. Kind of, I'm more your, your frustrated friend. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I've, um, I bought these lovely new headphones and I have somehow after two recordings lost the microphone and yeah, I just, uh, made you wait like an hour while I just tore apart my entire room because they, they don't get up and walk away. At least I've heard that's not part of the functionality of these. So where are they? I ask, where are they? Microphone, so, if you can hear us. Oh, we can. I mean, you can tell hear us. me. Yeah, yeah. Tell us where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Well, that's okay. Oh, We're going to forge ahead anyway. We're going to talk about season two, episode 16, called Revolutions. And this one originally aired April 5th, 2000. And a whole bunch of names here that I feel like we haven't really come across much. So uh, this was directed by Barnett Kelman. And written by Lynn Cantor and Mitch Salem. And this uh, the synopsis for this one is, when clinic policy forces her to decline a patient's request for the morning after pill, Felicity organizes a sit-in that could jeopardize a medical school recommendation for her boss, Greg, and upset her already shaky academic standing. Meanwhile, Noel's tu- tutoring session with Ben comes unglued. And a cable channel shows interest in Sean's documentary. Hmm. Did that Wait, happen? I, I barely even remember that happening. Yeah. I'm, I don't think I'm going to say that didn't happen at all. No, that he said it happened in the last episode and he was filming in this episode. So maybe just by implication. Hmm. It's implied. Whoever writes these synopses just makes it all up, don't they? Uh, yeah. Yes, but I do. read them anyway, because that's the kind of investigative journalism <laughs> you get here, folks. Uh, you know, it's just interesting to see what people thought was going to be aired. And then what actually <laughs> happens sometimes is a little different. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, hey, we are going to talk about what actually happened, though, today. So, I don't know, Fish, where do you want to start with this one? Well, I figured, as usual, we would start at the beginning, but maybe leave out all of the Noel and Ben stuff for, for after. Sure. That makes a lot of sense to me because they're kind of the one side plot for the whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we will start by Felicity and Ben talking about it, but the actual Noel and Ben stuff, we kind of keep to the side. Um, That sounds fair. Well, we are going to open then at Dean and DeLuca with Ben reading a book for class. He's trying. He sure is. It's not his favorite class. 
fact, he's never hated a class more than this. It's the history of Western thought. It's the one that Knowles a TA for, and it's the one Dr. Pavone gave him. And I am just going to say, like, maybe there will be another payoff for this that is academically oriented. But why would Dr. Pavone give him this class? I can't, I can't, he does not seem to be getting anything out of it um, in terms of like the way that he thinks or who he wants to be. I mean, he's gotten, he feels bad that he doesn't know what he's doing and, and as we'll talk about later, he'll get a headache and that pretty much seems to sum it up so far. Yeah, I think that's really all there is to it. I mean, I suspect yeah. that the writer's room got together and said, we want more Noel and Ben. Mm -hmm. And how can we make that happen? And Noel pretty much only exists in this classroom. So <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is a way that they did this. Um, but I'm not complaining because it's this episode. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these two. I... I only question the the method of giving us this amazingness, not, this, not the amazingness itself. Yeah. Um, well, but Ben's yeah. questioning it all. He's like, I don't know about this Leibowitz guy. <laughs> and Felicity is just looking at him like, look, maybe, maybe ask Noel for help. And hey, is it Leibniz? Yeah. Yeah. Another one of I, those Ben is yeah. stupid jokes. I mean, there is a Leibowitz um she's fantastic mm -hmm. not a man mm -hmm. love her mm -hmm. um you should all go watch uh watch her i guess it's not a documentary it's like a a mini series of her talking to uh it's not alan sorkin it's starts with an s i mean she is funny in a way that is it either goes to your core or you will not understand her. She's okay. fantastic. All right. Um, but has nothing to do with this. None of those people that we've just <laughs> described are the person that Ben's reading. Um, no. And, you know, that's that's how it is. So we just kind of set things up with Ben's frustration here. And uh, this is going to get interrupted well, by Javier. Yeah, he's, he's worked up. That's as you would be. If your handsome ex had just walked in the door. Javier's at like a level 10 right now. <laughs> he is on um, red alert. He's like, oh my I, God, it's my ex. I don't know. I don't believe this is a level 10 for Javier. I okay. feel like this is maybe a solid five. Yeah. I feel okay. like he, like, this is the normal level. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But you know, it's an urgent situation. It's a bit of a crisis. His obsessive compulsive <laughs> ex-boyfriend seems to have a crunch in. on him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a one-sided or more sided on the ex's side crunch. Yes. Um yeah. And so but Javier's there's really only one solution to this fish, right? I mean, of course. Javier must date Ben. Or at least they need to pretend they're dating. Yeah. I mean, it must look to the outside world and Javier's ex that he has just this adorable, fantastic man who is so cute and and 
you know, just give him bubble baths and candles and aromatherapy. Yeah. Oh, isn't yeah. he amazing, Felicity? And Javier's oh, just like together. his hands are all over Ben and he's oh. kissing him and on the on the forehead and it's uh the, the Ben's expressions, I I don't know what to do with this, right? Because he's so adorable. I mean, he's so cute, at both when he is really uncomfortable and and when he's annoyed. And mm -hmm. so this entire scene, he is one of those two things. Yeah, he is either annoyed or he is super uncomfortable. And on the one hand, he's so cute when he's mm -hmm. uncomfortable. On the other hand, having a gay man touch you should not make you that uncomfortable. I think anybody I mean, who's touching me in that way that I didn't want to be touching me in that way would make me uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know. That I felt like had it thing. been a girl, he would have been fine with it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I think being uncomfortable is completely warranted. And this is actual sexual harassment that's happening here on the but job. <laughs> that is not what's happening with Ben. That that is not what's happening with yeah, him. Yeah, maybe not. If it was a cute girl, he would be like, sure. I, no, I do you remember what happened with Pam last oh, episode? I remember. Or just delightful yes. Pam. No, 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 delightful Pam. But he did stick his tongue down her throat. I mean, he let's made not out lie. with her and looked miserable. Looked actively. He like, was not cute. He was not. He was not uncomfortable. He was, he was just upset. Yeah, he was very upset. So I'm going to yeah. go ahead and say Ben being uncomfortable with touch by anybody other than Felicity is still tracking for me. Mm, no, this tracked as a 90s joke. Okay. He, he, this was a 90s thing. It's like, oh, we're not comfortable with men touching uh, yet. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, fair enough. Well, so at one point, Javier's like, whisper into my ear. And Ben whispers, I quit. Yes. Um, <laughs> and which is, you know, not totally serious, but he's about had enough here. And then <laughs> Javier, who's still just like manhandling Ben, uh, is finally like takes a closer look. He just kind of like squints a bit. And takes a look at the person he identified as his ex. And he's like, oh, that's not him. He walks away. Yeah. And you can hear Carrie Russell give a very real laugh. And then, like, Ben just kind of looks frustrated. And annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. That's our teaser. You know? That's what we get. And I learned nothing new from the credits this time because I was writing um, I have finished, well, almost finished my notebook and I got new pens and I got a new notebook and wouldn't you know, those particular pens do not write on that particular notebook. Mm. Why? Why is that true? Um, shouldn't be really. It shouldn't be. So the sole written, purpose of a pen is to write and the sole purpose of a notebook is to be written on. So I don't have an answer. Not compatible. Not compatible, these two. Yeah. Um, so I've written really, really tiny. Um, so we'll see how that works out for me. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. a fish has to squint to read things, then we'll just deal with that. Or I miss things altogether because I can't read my handwriting. 
That sounds fair. Well, so the next thing we're going to get here post-credits is Megan and Felicity in their dorm room. And Felicity is squeakily over-highlighting her textbook. <laughs> Which, uh, fair enough. That is annoying. It's a lot. Yeah. I did enjoy the word squeakily that I just said, though. I feel like... It was nice. Squeakily. Um, just try saying it, everybody. Once to yourself. Squeakily. <laughs> uh, that's what she's doing. Yeah. Over highlighting. And Megan has already had enough. <laughs> oh. We don't know how long she's been doing this. It's probably been a good long time. They look like they've been sitting in these positions for a while, but they're going to be interrupted when we enter the scene by Berkey. Remember Berkey fish? I do remember Berkey. And he's back and he's excited. And, you know, I mean, as as they would they hear a knock on the door and felicity says come in and megan says go away um which is exactly the right response from both of them mm -hmm. and he would like to present felicity with what seems to be do you remember those old like three ring punch binders where you could stick business cards in plastic yeah is it a just me or Rolodex. yeah is that is that what he's presenting her because it doesn't look like a single card or a stack it looked like he was giving her a book and he's like here are the business cards of the places that i have approved for us to go and she's for like our date. what yeah they're all <laughs> restaurants he has been vetting restaurants for them to go on a date to and uh Mm, how has it been this long and he still thinks there's hope i'm not sure she's not dating anyone she's not and so she starts to sort of wave it off and she's like i mean this is i'm, I'm so and then he's like don't say flattered it'll kill me if you say flattered <laughs> megan's like flattered <laughs> no, he says he's gonna jump out the window right yeah yeah Gotta be but careful when you set things up like that around Megan. Yeah. She'll she'll test you. Yeah, she's gonna call you. Say your you're gonna jump out the window. Better jump out the window. But the good news is that all of this gets interrupted then by Julie. And her so this is one interruption after another here, pretty much, in this little scene. Yeah. This whole episode was very heavy on the product placement. Yeah. Here we are going to be interrupted because Julie wants to come in. She always says two words. Krispy Kreme. And Felicity's like, yes, I must get out of here. She springs into action. Yeah. She jumps up. She's like, I'm out. Well, Berkey at this point may be thinking, oh, must get Krispy Kreme business card for a binder. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <I> one. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Yeah. So yeah. this is nice. Out. This is nice because we haven't had, you know, in true colors, we got a little bit of Felicity and Julie talking. Um, and it felt like they were just sort of catching up after a while, you know, because at that point, Julie was thinking, it was asking Felicity about, you know, are there, are there counselors at the health center and, um, we had a little bit of that happen and, you know, Julie had revealed to Felicity on another walk 
that the thing with Eric had fallen through. So there were these moments recently, but it has been a little while since that, since we've had like a really hearty scene with Felicity yeah. and Julie. So I'm glad they're giving that to us here. I mean, there's nothing that I like better than, you know, having a warm crispy cream donut with a friend and talking about the PTSD from my rape. Yeah. Mm. Well, but that's where she's at. I mean, that's the story they have for her and that's what she's coming off of. And they haven't, they haven't given us anything more with Julie really since then, you know, it's been a couple episodes since she's had a whole lot to do. And unfortunately the last thing she really had to do was this record deal with Eric that fell through and the way that triggered her. So, and in a way, I suppose it makes sense. I, I mean, is, is it like, they got painted into a corner in the writer's room with her probably, but it also does kind of make sense for the story that Julie's kind of disappeared for a minute because maybe that's what she would do in real life. If she's like really stuck in her head. Um, Maybe that is at least before she went and hung out with Ben and stuff, you know, um, Yeah, but they're not dating anymore. And Ben's been on all this journey that he's been going on. I mean, Sean is really the one in the loft that she's been confiding more in that we've seen. Yeah, and as we can, as we've heard from Sean himself, that's going nowhere. So, I mean, I think my comment is more, they have a lot of product placement in this episode, but they don't necessarily... uh, have the best product placement Mm -hmm. like uh, that's just not particularly what i'd want so if you were krispy kreme you'd be reluctant about your product placement being a walk and talk with krispy kreme with julie and felicity talking about the nightmares julie's having about zach yes i would say i probably wouldn't pay for that yeah well nonetheless it's not the first time i I would imagine when you've got somebody come like i would assume this is a sponsorship I'm assuming that the show got some money from doing this and I would expect that there would have to be approval and clearance by the sponsor, like a concept presented to them. Okay. Here's what we're thinking. Maybe even the actual script or like that part of the script presented to them and then get the approval. Cause I think you have to do that with like, even with music, like you, you have to be like, or if, if you're talking to an artist, you have to be like, here's what we're thinking. This is where it would go. This is roughly what we're envisioning. Um, yeah. Didn't they get into like a whole bunch of trouble over the music? Well, but I mean, uh, I don't know. Real time. Know why there aren't like they had to do different music. Because well, no, because when you copyright. Think, yeah. But the world changed. Like, it's not like it's not like it is now where you can say, all right, we need music for this show. It's going to go it's going to go out on air, but then it's going to be streaming and then it's going to be here and then it's going to be there. At that time, it was like this is going to air once. They didn't even know they were going to get picked up by other networks to do reruns. So like let alone envision a world where streaming could happen or DVD sales could come out like. Well, I don't know the if they DVDs were even planning for the out. DVD sales. They came out like after season one. Mm. Um, 
I'm just saying. It seems to me that that whole industry changed really quickly because not long before this, there was like Napster and there, you know, like the, like think about how aggressively and fast the entire music industry changed. And then maybe sort of just after that, um, you know, how we started consuming TV changed. So both sides of this equation changed very much, very, very quickly. And I, I would say, if you look at how we're consuming this information today, it looks absolutely nothing like what it did in 2000. And um, how could they have known? I, I, I don't know. Like I could absolutely see a world where the contracts that they signed when they were getting those original songs didn't account for the things that needed to be considered, you know, once they started to look at other formats for the show. And yet Krispy Kreme's still here. Well, can't really pull that out. Right. That was baked into the (laughs) episode itself, if you will. That upon. Almost sort of. (laughs) Yeah. But the uh, so they're having this walk and talk. Julie's talking about these nightmares of Zach and of Zach. And honestly, this isn't new information for us. This is resetting where Julie is because she's already had the conversation like, hey, are there health are there counselors at the health center? And basically what we're getting here is Julie hasn't been to them yet. Uh, I thought she said she went twice and she was going back. No, that was for when it originally happened with Zach. So like last year, she went Um, twice. She was supposed to have a follow-up. She hasn't been back to a counselor since the conversation she had with Felicity at the painting party. Um, And, but, but she's actively sought out Felicity for this conversation to have this particular talk. And she's, um, you know, she's saying like, I haven't been to a counselor yet and I'm just not ready. And yeah, that's kind of where we're going to have more than one Julie and Felicity talk in this episode, but this sets it up for us. And good donuts yeah. as they finish the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah. Then we're just going to move ourselves right from that conversation to uh, Felicity being in the health center and being approached by Lane. Okay, remember when I kept thinking that Lynn was Lane? Well, this is Lane that I was talking about. She is from the Gilmore Girls, only now her name is Layla. So if I call her Lane or Lynn or Layla, I'm talking about the same person. That's good to know right there. (laughs) That's good to know. Cause the way you just broke that down might've spun some of our heads around, but that's okay. (laughs) We are being introduced to Leela Foster, who, you know, also as Lane from the Gilmore girls. Um, and some, and, and that name is close to Lynn. Okay. I see where you're going with this. So I kept calling Lynn Lane. Yeah. Well, there is no Lane in this show. Okay, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, yeah. Lane is not a thing in the show Felicity. But Leela approaches the desk where Felicity is working because she wants to make an appointment. 
and she wants to make an appointment for the morning after pill. Conda broke. She's got to get got to get this done. And the first appointment Felicity thinks they have is at 6 p.m. And that's a long time. It looks like it's the morning and it's like, oh, I know that's forever. So she said, you know what? Let me just go check to see if we can get you in earlier. So she goes to Greg to see if they can schedule her between appointments. And that's a setup for this pretty much. Yeah. So Felicity walks back and Greg is, um, he's, he's really focused on the MCATs. Mm. And I never took the MCATs, but they sound horrible. Yeah, I remember um, people studying for the MCATs and it didn't seem fun. Yeah, I was like, that's a lot of math for, mm. you know, being a doctor. But hey, maybe you have to know physics to be a doctor. I don't know. Mm. Um, but she's got a favor to ask and he just wants to know stuff about test questions. And she's like, I, yeah, I don't know, whatever. I'm not, that's, that, just let's move it along. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he, he's obviously, I think what's important here is that he's nervous. He's very much on track towards being a doctor. MCATs, that's his next step. Um, study, he's studying for those, but we're also going to see in this episode that he's actively thinking about recommendations for med school. So he's in the thick of it. And he's, you know, he's studying for this test question and he asks Felicity what she thinks the answer is and it's going to turn out later that she was right and he was wrong which is interesting but, but for I now i think they both just guessed i think they both just guessed because exactly right <laughs> so uh you know really it's meant to just show us like you know he's on track to become a doctor and it's all really bearing down on him right now uh felicity interrupts this to ask the question about can you get leela in earlier than 6 p.m and Greg says, uh, sure, if it would do any good, but uh, we don't prescribe that medication. Yeah, we can't so, administer that pill anymore. Um, and he and he backs up his, like, look, the administrators who fund this place told us we can't do it anymore, and so we're not doing it anymore. I mean, he pretty much lays out, like, hey, this is life. I this think that they did a... Like pretty good job through the character of Greg of explaining where bureaucracy comes from. Like or they, they, they show you. Yeah. They, I mean, they really show you the pressures on Greg in a way that look, it's tough because fish, you and I have way more forgiveness for, and maybe even appreciation of Greg than I think a lot of the people who listen to this have, so I wonder at what points Greg kind of loses people. Cause I know that Greg is perceived as this really pompous character and there are moments when he comes across as that, but I did not see that from him in this episode. I saw from him, a guy who it's like, look, I get my funding from these people who say we can't do this. So it's like very clear cut for him operationally where it's like, well, I have to pick my battles here. I win yeah. basically none of them. <laughs> like 0% of the battles I try to pick, I win. And they're giving me all the funding to run this place. And here's what I'm dealing with. Yeah, he's just, he's very matter of fact about it. He's mm -hmm. like, he doesn't get emotional about it. Maybe at some point he did, but 
he, you know, he's been through the ringer on this. Yeah. So Felicity is very emotional. She's got a personal connection. She, you know, but she then has to go out there and talk to Layla and say, look, this is the policy. And then Layla gets mad at her. Yeah. Felicity's move is like, look, you'll have to go see a doctor. I can give you a list. And Layla's like, well, the point of me being here is that I don't have insurance and I'm not able to go see a doctor. And she is frustrated. And Felicity gives the line every volunteer says at some point. (laughs) I'm just a volunteer. volunteer. Yeah. That's the thing. The person that you're reaming out on the phone in the call center or the person who's manning the front desk is not the decision maker. And so it's just like, um, it's the only thing Felicity can say in that situation. I mean, she also says sorry about five times, but she's just a volunteer and guess what? Like Greg, (laughs) Greg doesn't have any more power than her. Yeah, it is. I, I do so wonder listeners what you think about greg in this particular like i know so many of you think greg is this pompous guy i think in this episode greg is sort of you know it's like he's the foil to felicity's plan so you could think like oh he's ruining everything felicity's trying to do but on the other hand it's like well greg has no power he like he's you know, the most hamstrung of everybody in this whole episode. So it's just in a way, you know, Edward Porter is kind of in a similar position. Um, I think Edward Porter comes across with far more bluster. I think Greg comes across very matter of fact. And so I, I have a lot of sympathy for Greg in this episode because I'm like, man, what a day for this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's watching his, his path to med school, like go down the tubes, his entire job is on. <laughs> it's like, Oh, the health center's closed today. Great. Nobody will care about that. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this guy, he's, he's on the hook for all of this. So it's so tricky for him. Yeah. And this is, I don't know. It, it just kind of is life, right? I mean, you're going to have one side, you're going to have another side. And then you're going to have the people caught in the middle. Yeah. And that is how protest and, um, you know, public pressure versus entrenched, you know, power and money work. Yeah. And so I really actually coming out of this episode, I like him even better than I did the last episode because Mm -hmm. I mean, what, we'll go through the different things that he does, but I think he handles this very well. I didn't think he was pompous in the last episode and I don't think he's pompous in this one. He goes through a list of things that he tried. Um, Yeah. He's, he's like, look, it's not just about this. It's like, I've tried, I've wanted to fight battles over this thing and this thing and this thing. And it's yeah. Needle exchanges. AIDS programs. It's like, it's not like he isn't on her side. He just, he has lost this battle so many times and, you know, great. I mean, this is going to kind of blow my like great reveal at the ending, 
you know, great, they win. So what? Like, you still don't have needle exchanges. You still don't have an AIDS program. You, like, I don't know. And, and then this is the battle that he like, this is the hill he's dying on, you know? So if there was anything right. that was his mission statement, like anything that was his passion project, yeah. his expended his social capital here. Um, yeah. So it's going to be even harder, if not impossible for him to get anything else he wanted to get across the line, across the line. Yeah. And, but he's um, doing it for Felicity in backing her up. Yeah, he's doing it, I think, because he sees her passion and he doesn't want to fully quash it yet. Um, and, and there's some momentum. A lot of the time, it's about jumping on momentum, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, when you look at how change actually happens in this episode, mm -hmm. it only happens because a trustee calls in and says, I'm powerful and have money. And now I want you to change this policy. Nothing mm -hmm. about this does anything to change any systemic issues around power and money and control. And I feel like there's been a change in the way that people protest. You've got all your different kind of movements that have come out of the woodwork and none of them are really pushing effectively pushing their agenda forward and we still have to have these big societal debates about it and mm -hmm. so i for me i don't know this whole episode fell a little flat because i think that as a society we are beyond even high schoolers are just beyond this being a success i think that looking at this with a 2022 lens is also problematic because even things like, for example, social media, which exists now did not exist then, um, you know, completely changes. Like the number of things people are, pro people are protesting things all the time, either as individuals or as groups. And I think because of that, it dilutes the protests at this time, there were only so many channels for getting information and, you know, to organize people in this way and then to get TV coverage and then to have the New York Times uh, doing something on it. It, you know, there was probably a lot more attention on these stories because there were only so many channels to get your information. So th this may very well have been a far more effective approach at that time. Um, just because of the, the lack of sources of information led to more people paying attention to the sources we had. So um, I don't know. I think you have to kind of view it through a 2000 lens to, to measure the effect of a protest. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just about diluting things, I think social media also brings a lot more attention, right? So mm -hmm. if we look at what happened with George Floyd, right? The only reason that we were able to actually get a consistent message out there was film, you know, and that has been true over and over and over again. You know, everyone is filming now 
And here's video evidence that we can continue to produce and continue to put uh, online, on major news channels, on social media. So I think while in one way it, it does dilute, say, the average protest, it also brings people together in a much more forceful way and with a lot more power coming from the ground up when it comes to influencing things like, you know, prosecutors. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think that the number of things people protest that can get across the line in that way, like percentage wise is very, very low. And I think something like this sort of protest happening on a campus uh, may probably wouldn't have hit anybody's radar in this day and age. And it would be part of like a 24 hour news cycle at the very best. And it would be buried um, among so many other stories. And I think for what this story was for that time, I think that it was more effective being placed in that time. Um, Yeah. I think we have to separate out what the protest was about and the type of protest that occurred because we live in a post-Dobbs, post-Roe world. So, you know, on the one hand, maybe this is, this is gonna garner more support depending on where your campus is located. But if you look at the way the protest actually happens, then I don't know that I necessarily agree because all these people had to do was get to the trustees. Mm-hmm. And I think you can still do that today. You just have to get to the people with the money. And my, I guess my point is that's not the way, you know, protests and social movements kind of work today, or at least the most successful ones. Mm-hmm. They actually get in there. They change the protesters' lives. They change, you know, they have to be much more immersive They involve culture and art and um, it is long term and it is institutional and set up because they can't just have a sit in. Yeah, but I think that's why you have to look at this through the lens of 2000. I think looking at this through the lens of what would work in 2022 is not that useful for this episode because I don't think it I don't think it worked in 2000. Um. I think for me, as somebody who's done a lot of social media marketing over the years for businesses, I think that there's uh, so many people trying to get their voices across on some of these platforms that while if you go viral, you can get a lot of boost, nobody goes viral. <laughs> like it doesn't happen for the average person. And so you end up getting buried even with the channels that we have now. And I think. I, I see this method having a chance to be far more effective for that time period. Um, I, I, I certainly effective. haven't done any, to be honest, I'm like super not a political person. So I've done absolutely no research on effective methods of protest. But when I just look at like the, the volume, like as we've had more channels to get information across that has not, has for most people pushed them down further and in this, in this story, I do believe that this type of thing could get coverage through this method. 
because there weren't as many ways to get the information out there. Yeah, I guess my point is it's it's not so much about the coverage, it's about what the end result was, which is the rich people said, don't do it. And then the rich people said, okay, you can do it. And so the reason trying, that the rich people said that they could do it was that they saw Julie on TV. But that should not have been how this was resolved. But media protests, coverage does tend to be the power that people wield over people. And like at the point when something, at the point when you involve media, that is in many cases and in many storylines and many TV shows, that's been like a threat. Like, I will bring this to the media or we can resolve this. In this case, it was brought to the media first and then the trustee saw it and felt pressure and it was creating backlash of some sort, probably against the trustee. And so the fact that this news channel came in and Julie was an effective spokesperson and the trustee saw it. And we don't know like how many calls the trustee then got about this, Um, but it was enough that ultimately the coverage is what led to the trustee having this on their radar. Again, I think that we're past that being the outcome. What we're looking at today more often is movements rather than protests, and protests might be part of movements, but we've had to institutionalize social change because it is such a long-term play. And the outcome here was, all right, the trustee got pressured and they changed a policy. But what we would want the outcome to be is it's not up to the trustee. Mm -hmm. Like diluting the power down to the, the level of the person who is most affected by whatever it is and also competent mm-hmm. um, to, to make the decisions and, and changing power structures because I'm gonna just, just throw a guess out there that that trustee was neither a female um, nor a person of color. And so making sure that the levers of change and the people in the position to make decisions are more representative of the people who actually have to bear the consequences of those decisions. And and so it is a little harder to have a national debate about that. But at the local level, you know, I, I think that this is something that, you know, a lot of groups are are trying to do. And what's really funny is Noel and Ben are talking about that in the backdrop to this entire protest. Their entire discussion, right, is all about how society changes and whether there needs to be violence or war that is part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're talking Marx, they're talking, I mean, it's, I just found that to be a really interesting because that piece of it right there, the Nolan Ben stuff, I think in addition to being hilarious is actually some of the most relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also Dr. Pavone. Well, let's, let's, um, because we basically covered the whole episode without covering any of the details. So the, um, so Felicity, <laughs> 
the next scene that we see Felicity in, she's going back to Greg. She's a bit riled up now because she's had time to think about the fact that Leela, you know, was now not served in the way that she wanted to be and, uh, and why. And she's getting kind of like heated about it. And she's having this walk and talk with Greg. And she's like, look, not offering the morning after pill is wrong. It should be available. Um, she, she has, she's making a very, I'm going to say impassioned case, but doesn't necessarily have, like, she's got a couple points about like, well, there are other places that are doing it. Like she's got a little bit of that to back her up, but it's more about the passion than the substance of her claims at this moment. And Greg, um, you know, he offers more, more context for, for this. And he says, Look, there was an article years ago written about, oh no, not years ago, recently, like somewhat recently written about uh, postcoital contraceptives and the trustees got a hold of it and they said, no, we're not doing this anymore. And so they're not doing it anymore. Um, and Greg goes on and cites all these battles that he's tried to fight. And and um, he's like, look, the, the trustees keep this place open. And there's lots of stuff that I could fight for that I want to fight for. And at the end of the day, like just keeping the place open is a struggle. Mm-hmm. And all this just fires up Felicity even more, to be honest. Well, yeah, because she she wants him to do something about it. She was like, you're the director. It feels like you should have some power. It's like she almost doesn't believe him when he says, look, <laughs> I have gone out on a limb, you know, I've done this dance before. There was bad media coverage around the morning after pill and uh, the abortion pill. Are you um, 46? And, you know, when, when that happens, it's, it's done. And, and when I become a doctor and I get even a tiny little bit, like a tiny little bit, of power, I will change this. And um, I, mean, I don't know. I think he's being a little facetious here. Um, well, I also don't know if he really thinks that. Like, if it's like, I know for sure that I have no power right now, and that I am really at the mercy of all of these important people to write me recommendations and to like admit me into like med school. Like, he's got a lot of it, people who have to say yes to him. Um, in the immediate future of his life to get on the track that he wants to get on. And so this, like this idea of maybe there is a day when he'll have power. Maybe that is something he's thinking right now. I'm willing to bet that as a doctor, he wouldn't have a lot of power either. (laughs) You know, like, but I don't know if he's. You would, if he made enough money and had the right connections and he's a white male. So it's hard to say, right? Like, I, I don't really know who, where the power sits in that dynamic even, but he's envisioning a world where one day he could have some clout, but he knows he doesn't have it at this moment. And so it's kind of like an open and shut sort of, I I don't see him as being dismissive, but I see him as being like, here's why I can't do anything. And this comes back to what I keep saying about him. He's intensely practical. He, Mm -hmm. he is, He's jaded. He's done this. He knows you can't fight everything. He knows you can't save everybody. And he's he's got his priorities. And guess what? 
every single person on the planet has the same. You cannot be passionate about everything. You cannot try to save everyone. You will kill yourself. Like you also need to eat and Mm -hmm. like have shelter. And you know, it's, it's just a lesson that we all have to learn. And it's a really hard one. It's a really, really hard one. And I, you know, if you're still idealistic about things and you still think you can get stuff done and you have in the past, um, like, you know, hats off to you. I think it's wonderful when people are still passionate about multiple things. It is very, in my opinion, it is very, very difficult to hold on to your humanity and your empathy while not being able to help everyone. And so you do get this, you know, jaded matter of fact kind of attitude towards life that, that it is nice sometimes to have a Felicity come along and have that passion and be inspiring and, you know, get you out of your head to say, okay, like, yeah, if I want to change something that can happen, it's not everything, but like something. Yeah. Well, we're going to move from here to Pavone's office, which is sort of a, I would say a critical scene in this episode where Felicity is once again, having another impassioned speech to Pavone saying, oh, the, 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 she's basically running us down everything that we've already learned in this episode about, you know, what's not available and why it's so important and how Greg's not doing anything about it. And Pavone's just like trying to light a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> having a really hard time doing it she can't find her lighter she's like you're funny you're presumptuous let me find my lighter well so the first thing she says is so you've discovered an injustice (laughs) and it's so like patronizing and so like ah i see i see what today's conversation is about you've discovered an injustice and then Felicity keeps uh, keeps clucking, and she's like, "Ah!" Bah, 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 bah. And Pavone's <laughs> like, "You're funny. You're funny." And Felicity's <laughs> like, "I'm funny. Like, <laughs> like that's not the point of this." And P- what Pavone's trying to get across here is like, "It's not Greg's battle." And yeah. Felicity gets even more riled up at that prospect. And she's like, <laughs> he leaves this health center. It's his. And Pavone's like, "What I am saying is accurate. This is not Greg's battle." <laughs> Like she is, Pavone is easily reaching her limit here. Yeah. But she does finally find her lighter Uh and she gets a puff and both her and Felicity just sort of settle, settle down a little bit. And it lets Felicity have a second to go, oh, I'm supposed to do something here. And, and Pavone just gives her this knowing look like, yes, Felicity, you yeah. are supposed to do something yeah, here. Okay. And it's funny because it sits with Felicity for a moment. She's like, oh, man. I know. She's, <laughs> she looks so upset that, like, she's going to have to do something. Yeah. That was the reaction that I had to her reaction as well, where it's just like, that was not what I was hoping would be said here. <laughs> like, this would have been so much easier for me if I could have just made Greg do this. Yeah. And it's like, nope. No. That's not not his battle. It's not his battle. It's yours. Guess what? You're passionate about it. So guess whose battle it gets to be? 
Yeah. So we get to our little research montage. It was like the equivalent of like the sports training montage that you get in movies where somebody like has to get all buff or ready for the big competition. Felicity, but but in this case, it was just Felicity researching different websites to music. (laughs) So, okay. The music was really upbeat and it bothered me, but I'm actually now thinking back on it. And I feel like the Rocky theme would have been perfect. that's the point of something like this i think the point is that it's meant to be like uplifting and this just like the hero transforms sort of like (laughs) moment and i think when i looked at it with a lens of like oh i've seen so many movies where this is like people lifting weights and like going for runs (laughs) and stuff and you you just you know that that montage has to happen i find it interesting that they made this look interesting because or at least as interesting as they could, because all they were getting was shots of her looking at a computer over and over and over again. You know, they would show you different headlines. You could see how the headlines were progressing. She was looking up blockades. She was looking up, by the end, she was looking up more tactical solutions like blockades and sit-ins. And in the beginning, it was more like general knowledge. So you could see her upping her skill level, if you will. And then they would like pan between shots of her face and then shots of the screen. (laughs) It was like, how are they making this interesting? I, um, but again, when viewed through that lens, it's like, all right, I see what they're doing here. I would have preferred the Rocky theme, but, um, yeah, uh, she basically is like, dear internet, what is a protest? Yeah. Uh, and then just sort of goes from there. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like when she was like, uh, dear bookstore, uh, tell me how to do sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like, why don't, why don't you go talk to someone maybe who's like actually an organizer and like does this and maybe has, I don't know, people who might be interested in showing up. Yeah, but they couldn't but, have know. done that in a montage because they would have needed to give us dialogue and introduce us to people here. They That's could just fair. put her at a computer screen That's fair. Yeah. and uh, cut between her face and the screen a bunch of times. And it's also her personality. It. Yeah, this yeah. is who she is. She's like, I want to know how to do something must look at book. Yeah, that's how she does it. It really yeah. is. It's just her. In fact, uh, you know, in a way, this episode had a couple of like callbacks to that, uh, to that exact episode that you're referring yeah. to the Gimme and O episode. Um, there's a thing Elena says later that I was like, oh my God, it's straight out of Gimme and O. Um, <laughs> but so, so we have this whole montage and then it's meant to be sort of like, okay, there was before the montage and after the montage <laughs> and after Felicity knocks on Lilo's door. And she's, she checks in. She's like, did you get what you needed? Lila says, yes. Got it from Planned Parenthood. And she's like, more product placement. Although yeah. I doubt Planned Parenthood had to pay for that. Probably not. It felt more like the PSA sort of thing that, um, that they've done before in other episodes where it was like, this is where you would go. And yeah. I mean, they, they had to make a conscious choice. I mean, obviously Planned Parenthood is a very um, controversial organization Mm -hmm. so you know they had to make a conscious choice that like we're coming down on this side in the show 
Mm -hmm. And we're going to give you information on, you know, where to find what you need if you can. Yeah, they did have to make that choice here, I think, to do this whole episode pretty much. I think we can look at it from a standpoint of what did the characters do and just unpack it that way. Um, Then the, you know, with Leela, they kind of get off topic, like they address what she did. And then they move forward into what they're going to do. Um, and so it moves pretty quickly from, from checking in on Leela to, well, you know, I've been doing some research, I've been <laughs> drinking the green juice and listening to Rocky music and like, uh, and I, and I looked up lots of websites and here's, here's what I found sit-ins, sit-ins are a thing and they've been effective Ooh. in the past. And so Leela's like, so you want to start a sit-in? And it's interesting to me that Felicity doesn't actually ask Leela to join her for the sit-in like Felicity put tease it all up but doesn't actually make an ask yeah you know why because she has no idea what she's doing exactly and I think that comes across for me in this I was like wow she never actually she laid out the case for that sit-ins have worked in the past and it was on Leela to say so you want to start a sit-in yeah and Felicity's like uh-huh <laughs> and then Lane was like, "Sure, totally down. Let me get my boyfriend. Like, we'll do it." And Felicity Just gets this look Lane. on her face. Oh, Leela. <laughs> uh, Felicity gets this look on her face, like, "Oh my god." Yeah, this is happening. Yeah, like I don't know that she anticipated this would be the result. Like that somebody would be like, yes, I'm doing this to a thing she never even asked. Nope. <laughs> you know, like, she, it's just like, whoa, I just put this wheel in motion real fast. Um, I think and she's gonna cry. feeling a little almost overwhelmed. Maybe not quite there. Look, if she's overwhelmed with one girl and her boyfriend, it's going to get hairy for her. And it does. And I think oh. I like that they set it up this way because they're showing everything about this conversation with Leela shows me that she's not ready to be a leader of this yet. <laughs> like everything, including the fact that she has never actually asked to start this. Nope. And it's just like Leela started it, you know? And yet she is not the spokeswoman. And she's not. Yeah. It's just, I do think we're meant to take away from this, that Felicity has these aspirations and these ideals and that she can be passionate about something but doesn't have the skill set yet. Like she doesn't have the, she doesn't have the technique. She doesn't have the know-how yet. Um, mm-hmm. She is learning that on the fly. And it, it, I thought it was interesting. You know, they're starting a sit-in. Fine. I mean, today in New York City, you'd be hauled out by the cops. Um, but you know, it kind of a lot of people are there, and they're kind of starting small. She's got her friends there, She's and there are a couple Lena. people behind because we've got. Elaine is there and Felicity is there, Elaine, and I guess her, Leela, and I guess, look what you've done to me, Fish. Um, (laughs) Leela and I guess her boyfriend. And although we don't really like specifically get like the handshake with Leela's boyfriend, um, but there are some people extras behind that have poster board and markers and they're writing and they're sitting on the floor. So yeah. We don't know exactly how many people are part of this yet. It's more it's than a small. few people. Yeah. It's small. It's small, but it's it's about to be bigger. And they're making calls and everybody there is trying to get more people to it. 
I um, love that she uses, she's using the health center, like resources in order to like spur a protest. I think it's hysterical center. later that Julie calls her on the health I center know. phone. I know. It's like, this is the, the call center now. Like it's bananas. Yeah. But I guess, you know, in a pre-cell phone world, um, landlines were the thing. You know? So unfortunate to say the least um, for Greg, but <laughs> so Berkey pays a visit. He's now yeah. sick. <laughs> he, he wasn't a, a minute ago. <laughs> a little congested, um, maybe sick. I mean, if his, if his um, solution to being sick is Claritin, then it seems like maybe he, he just has some, you know, allergies yeah could could be whatever he's got developed real quick because when he was in that prior scene about the restaurants shopping for the date uh wasn't really a factor there but he's fully congested now and he's he sees this fledgling sit-in and he Mm -hmm. sidles up to felicity he's like wait this is a sit-in this is pathetic all right (laughs) i'm gonna get my claritin I'm going to go get you some more people and then we're going to have a real sit in. Yeah. And this is the moment. I I think this entire series is actually about Berkey. And um, this is the moment when he becomes a, like he starts on the road to become a, becoming a club promoter. Like this is the first step. I feel like he will build his empire from here but he is learning how to get out there. He's got the, the pink and the I'm gonna go do it attitude. And he's gonna promote the heck out of stuff that is unfair to women. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, we're, well, all of that's gonna happen and have, have to happen in a spinoff show because <laughs> he, we're seeing potential. We're seeing that Berkey has a lot of chutzpah. Mm-hmm. we're seeing that he has the know-how to start bringing people together that he has the interest because it'll maybe make him more attractive to felicity mm-hmm. and you know he's getting things done but back I, at I the health center this. i would watch the spinoff yeah that i think we maybe got it in his little watch. <laughs> <laughs> um but back at the health center things are happening here lloyd's in the mix now can't believe well, they won't give me my morning after pills anymore. I think we're, we've, oh, we're, yeah, we are skipping the Ben and No scenes. We sure are. Um, so which I did so adeptly that, that it, it just created that it confusion. threw me off. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Lloyd's indignant. Yes. Yeah. I can't mean, believe they won't give me my morning after pills anymore. And then once Felicity tells him they're only for women, he no longer seems so um, interested. I mean, this is not an ailment he can have, (laughs) you know, it's like he only cares about the things that could be wrong with him. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been on Lloyd's side so far, Mm -hmm. like he had a very nice haircut Mm -hmm. um, in the last episode, but here, you know, he's not, he's not there for women and and their empowerment and Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, He's there for his his stuff. Yeah, it's not all about Lloyd today. Shame on you, Lloyd. And so there's a 
In other news, uh, the New York Times is on the phone, probably the health center landline for Felicity. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, you've been there how long and the New York Times is calling you? Really? Seems like really? a lot, but you know, they needed to move this thing along. Um, and then this is too much for Greg now. Greg's like, look, you're disrupting the health center. And yeah. she's like, well, yeah, that was the objective. <laughs> the point. And he's like, but here's the thing about that. This is a, an especially bad day to do that because John Simmons is coming mm. by. He's an important guy who's going to write me a recommendation for med school, or he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. He's coming today, okay? So you're going to need to stop this sit-in because everybody could get in lots of trouble. And John Simmons. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, this is just another reason. I mean, it's another thing. You know, Felicity's not the most experienced. And, right, um, the point of a sit-in is to disrupt um the functioning of what the trustees care about right you know it's why the truckers block the freeway it's not to disrupt the functioning of a free health clinic for which you were trying to get more resources mm-hmm. so just generally speaking because <laughs> in reality the lesson then becomes oh so the health center doesn't need to be open every Correct. day or so, any day oops Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so especially if people are then getting done what they need done in other places, it's like, oh, okay. So we don't need this anymore then. Cool. Yeah. Right. See, (laughs) yeah, it's her first, it's poking a hole in this already and it's not looking good. Yeah. It's okay. You know, she's, she's learning. She's, I I think this is very much the point of this though. It's like, well, she's got this passion. She has no clue what's what she's doing and she doesn't really necessarily understand enough about the way the systems are working to even really like she's done her research but it she's she's missing the landscape you know well she's missing the practical experience yeah um and you know who's going out getting that practical experience berkey berkey with his wonderful bright pink flyers Mm -hmm. just telling everybody Telling every, every human he encounters that all you know, of them. to join this sit-in. That something is unfair about women. It's it's unfair to women. It's unfair to women. Like he doesn't actually say what any of it is. No, he's unfair, unfair to women. Unfair to women. In fact, if you're gonna hand out flyers and tell somebody something's unfair to women, I'd be like, I don't want that flyer. <laughs> Right? Am I wrong? Yeah. I don't know. It was it's not like, quite well, then I'm not taking your thing. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Give and me something fair love... to women and then I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. Berkey? Good. Good. See, this is where we need the marketer in you. Yeah, um, Berkey could have taken know. some lessons here because he ends his little speech with bring all the girls you can get. Yeah. Come on. That's true. <laughs> well, back at the health center, John simmons shows up yeah he does he's looking stern he's having a stern conversation with greg this isn't good for greg um you know because john simmons is here i like how you say his name (laughs) i just i'm so enjoying john simmons who has really no function except being a huge threat in this episode um 
and you know, I'm, maybe he's a lovely man. I don't know, John Simmons. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't sound like a lovely man. Probably not. No. There's a lot of lore about John Simmons. <laughs> it's being created John as Simmons. we speak. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's there's there are many urban legends about John Simmons to contend with here. And um, in addition to that, if the if the tension already hasn't been ratcheted up enough, we've got this other guy who's yeah, handing out about, instructions. Yeah, about this other guy. I, I enjoyed this moment here in the script. Mm-hmm. In the script, he, and this is how much the writer's room, like, seriously cared about protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is called long-haired guy. Oh. No name, nothing, just long-haired they guy. They just knew they wanted somebody with long hair. That's all they had. Well, here's the thing. He is the only person who is actually a real organizer. He knows what he's doing. Yes. He shows up. He's like, here's what you do when the cops show up. He shows up with a guitar. You know, after he shows up, all of a sudden there's chanting. Like, I'm just saying, this guy was the guy you wanted to go to first. And he probably would have told you not to sit in the middle of the health center. Yeah. But he's kind of, you know, that. once we meet this guy, now we're getting even like chanting outside the health center. And, exactly. And uh, he's, yeah, he's handing out right now instructions for getting arrested, but he's also the going to be the guy with the tunes. Um, yep. He's, he is, he's come prepared. Guy is an actual organizer as opposed to, everyone else involved yeah like he's literally the only person who has any clue what's going on and (laughs) and i guess kind of freak people out a little bit like what to do when you get arrested they're like what (laughs) i know arrested yeah and then we're gonna ratchet up the tension even more because you know well so julie calls julie calls the health center landline i I did not know who that was because at that point the background noise had gotten pretty loud. I was like, oh, well, and that was on up. purpose. So I, what I find really funny is that Julie calls the health center phone, the health center landline. Yeah. Somebody hands the phone to Felicity. Felicity is fielding a question from Julie about whether the sit ins still going on and whether she and Sean should show up. And Felicity's like, ah, hang on. Cause she's Felicity is distracted and she's looking off to this conversation that Greg and John Simmons are having. <laughs> and that she can guy. see that there's like a lot of tension in that conversation. She's probably feeling a little for Greg in this situation. And well, so Greg, she's Greg at this moment, looking in his eyes, I swear he was tearing up. It's like, like he his looked life like he was about to cry for his eyes. Yeah. It's a rough day for if you're Greg in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. So so Felicity seeing all of this unfold, it's starting to get out of her control. And if not already out of her control. And she's got Julie on the line and she's like, you know what, uh, Ju- Julie, just, I don't know, maybe we're going to stop. Hold on a minute. She puts the phone by her side, not down. She puts it just by her side. And like, she's watching all of this play out and then Berkey shows up with a horde of people and well first Layla comes up to her and goes whoa hold up like I started this whole thing mm-hmm. this is not your thing I started <laughs> this and now you're gonna stop 
Yeah. And Elena's like, like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I haven't been sitting on Berkey's my butt for hours. Like, hey. Hey, yeah. this still going on? Because I'm back. Yeah. And so all these people show up and now the volume has gone up a lot in the health center and you can hear, they dialed up the sound on Julie's voice and she's like, Felicity, Felicity, <laughs> like, cause the phone's still by Felicity's side. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, Julie. <laughs> so now that there's all these people here and this is now fully out of Felicity's control, she's like, you might as well just come. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, just bring Sean. Okay. Yeah. So you know, now the whole most of the gang is going to be there, and Ruby. Um, Ruby shows up. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see another shot. Now we're gonna see a shot from outside the health center to see the people chanting and picketing outside, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's growing. Then we go to Ruby actually at the sit-in making a poster, which causes some conversation with Elena, and she's like, you know, I'm sure you guys think I'm crazy for making the choices that I'm making, and Elena's like, well. Just think your life's going to change. Um, well, so Ruby first starts there and, and she's there and Elena's just like, huh, surprised you're here. And mm-hmm. Julie mm-hmm. has this like nice snapback moment where she's like, uh, yeah, because she thinks just because you're having a baby, uh, you don't support any of this. And Ru- then, then Ruby's like, oh, you guys must think I'm crazy. Yeah, we've got three three women with um, different experiences, all just kind of reacting to each other. And I thought it was a nice it was a nice little moment to say, you know, people have different opinions. But but also that like in Ruby's case, there's a complexity there to like I made a certain choice and I'm supporting people's ability to make a different decision than I did. Like she's she's saying, I didn't choose this for me. But like, am I here? Cause I, I think this is a, like an okay thing for me to support. Yeah. Like, it's like, I, I don't have to make this decision myself to want it for other people. So I think there was this really interesting, um, I, I think it was a really like adult way of looking at like a, just cause I make a certain choice doesn't mean anybody needs to make the same choice that I do about like this or any topic. Right. So she's supporting a cause that isn't lined up with how she chose to handle her own situation. And that's fine. Like, yeah, I think a lot about like, you know, um, women's movements in general. And like, for example, women who stay home with the kids, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, this is a full-time job. Um, And then they, you know, other women who think they're what, better women, more women, like more female, I don't know, are like, well, why aren't you also working? Like, how could you make this choice? And it's like, wasn't the whole point that I got a choice to like, stay home? Yeah. And I have the same, (laughs) like, I think about every, basically every topic, I think it's always more interesting to look at um, the complexity, like, there are so many nuances to pretty much every debatable topic. And it's like life, your life experience may dictate where you come down on something, but it's like to be able to see the point of many different angles of it, I think adds, creates a much more layered conversation. And Ruby is the one person in this episode who's able to do, show us that. Um, 
Well, because and Julie, too. She's made one decision. Ruby's made another. Yeah, but I think in this situation, Ruby's Ruby's supporting something that's on the other side of what she decided for herself. And I think it's really interesting that she can hold both of those things to, in, in her at the same time. Um, I think, you know, Julie is an excellent spokesperson and certainly has life experience that would make a lot of sense for her to support this cause. And so I, I find Ruby really interesting here because it's like her life experience would suggest that she wouldn't support this cause, but here she is. And it's like, wow, you know, she's, and maybe that's because she is so very close to having to weigh all the sides of this out for herself, you know, like, I just love how you keep giving Ruby complexity where it just it says maybe it's deserved. I feel like she's there because everyone else is. <laughs> and I know that sounds bad. Maybe, but, but like, here she is having to answer hard hitting questions about why are you here from like the likes of Elena. Like I wouldn't think you'd be here. She's like, What why? You know, like, why not? She didn't answer that. Julie answered it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fair but, enough. You know, still I, I think it if it was a different character, I would give you that, but, but maybe I, I'm adding and, and too much to her. I love that you are so optimistic that you are like, look at this character who is, is taking in the complexity of all that's going on and not just hanging out with her friends. When all the time we've only referred to her as simple. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. Maybe I've gone too far. It's fine. Um, well, so we we come back here to Felicity, I guess, has fielded another official phone call on the health centered landline. And she's spoken directly with the administration. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be Dean Allison, because mm -hmm. whenever Dean Allison calls there, that's like a thing. It's a different thing. Yeah. But but the building just... has seemed to have called her. <laughs> yes, the administration itself. Um, yes. so she's on a megaphone, <laughs> yep. which I'm guessing long haired guy probably brought. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely yeah. him. Yeah. And he, um, well, so she, she's basically just saying, Hey guys, uh, we talked no to the news. administration. They don't want to respond to us. Yeah. Thanks for your update, Felicity. Yeah. <laughs> hey everyone. Um, I have nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sean's recording it all though for posterity. And then the cheerleaders from, you know, the first episode oh that Julie almost had to room with. Oh my goodness. They the jump cheerleaders in. Cheerleaders are back. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because, um, you know, this is what you do at, at sit-ins. Um, you, and look, they are bringing what they can. This is what they have to bring. This is it. These are their good on them. Yeah, these are um, the skills they have brought to the table. Um, I do notice Sean filming, and he's taken an extra second. He's he's discovered Megan with his camera. Mm. He's going to linger there for a second, and then then we move on. Just yeah, Megan's looking confused in the middle of a chorus of "We Shall Not Be Moved." Again, yeah. long-haired guy is now playing his guitar and leading them in this song. Yes. And Megan just looks mystified. I don't know why Megan's there. Greg, I mean, I for sure. Greg, yeah. But, like, Greg is not in support of this. 
But, you know, they're at the health center and Megan probably figures, ooh, another reason to go to the health center without having to fake another illness. Great. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see how that works out for you, Megan. And maybe that's why she's confused. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, look, I was told this is at the health center. The health center <laughs> landline number is the one we're meant to call. Surely Greg's around. And then she can't find him. Can't find him anywhere. Yeah. So there's that. We're going to skip over some Nolan Ben stuff and we're going to go back to the health center mm -hmm. and Simmons. John Simmons is on that the phone guy. with Greg. That guy. That guy. Seems like John Simmons isn't really all that happy. No. And Felicity's, um, you know, what I like about, I like this about Felicity in this one. She, she comes in, she's checking in. You know, she's like, I understand I have made your life not happy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, bad situation. You're, you're not getting that letter. Yeah. Um, but know what she doesn't do? She doesn't say, like, I'm a bad person. Mm. And I okay. appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Like, for once, <laughs> she's like. Like, sorry, this is inconvenient for you. It doesn't and, make me a bad person. Yeah. Well, Greg is like, you know, Greg is really licking his wounds right now. Like, this is not a good day for Greg. But he says, you know, honestly, like, the trustee, this is probably not going to work. The trustees give a lot of money to this yep. university. And they make the decisions. The money is what talks here. And if the trustees don't move on this, the university won't give in. Yeah, and he's just kind of resigned to like, yeah. this is happening, all right. Yes, I think I resigned is a good word at this point for him. It does feel like that. It's like, sigh. Yeah, it's like Felicity's doing this. Mm -hmm. I already asked her not to, but it's happening. And I'm just, again, going to be completely practical. I got to make some calls because we're going to be closed tomorrow. Which is accurate we're gonna see there's an overnight uh, there's a sleepover happening at the health okay. center everybody is asleep all over the yeah. place yeah we got people inside sleeping everywhere we got tents outside which i assume long-haired guy like suggested that his friends bring mm -hmm. we have a a both a filming and snoring sean at the mm -hmm. same time yeah his like camera is sort of hanging dangling in the air and he just sort of yeah. drops it on himself he's, he's snowing um yeah very loud snoring and then we're gonna get to we're gonna pan across and we're gonna see julie and felicity sleeping next to each other and julie wakes up from a nightmare mm. and felicity's still awake because who could sleep in her position and okay. yeah she's <laughs> I guess she's, I wouldn't be in her position, so never mind. Yeah, well, she's got a lot on her plate right now. But Felicity certainly notices that Julie just woke up from a night nightmare. And she's like, have you considered making an appointment with a counselor? And Julie's like, um, about that. No. <laughs> yeah she's she's scared she's really reluctant for whatever reason and felicity of course is going to try to give her a little pep talk here that i hated yeah melissa just yelled out no even she's though, like 
Well, this is like something that is deeply important to Felicity in a way that she manages and copes with her life. How could you be upset about this, Melissa? Yeah. What has this done to you? Well, Felicity is like, look, maybe it would help. I mean, when I leave those tapes for Sally. Oh, it's those. You're right. Awful. Terrible. It's like it's really therapeutic for me. And usually the harder it is to talk about something, the better it feels when I do. Because, yeah, tapes for Sally. Yeah. Fish. I feel like maybe Sally was in her head the whole time. The whole time. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just all those tapes that she has are just what? sitting in a drawer in her room oh, poor fish <laughs> was trying to hear this dialogue and the moment felicity was like well the reason i leave my tapes for sally and i just went no yep fish was like yeah. what is she saying and i was like <laughs> don't be encouraging this um and i had to unfortunately make her rewind and listen to it again yeah. i apologize i'm sorry I couldn't hear above your screams. I know. It was a Yelp, really. Um, so, okay. So we've got that. Once again, we're setting up for a future scene where it's like, hey, Julie, talk about it. You might just feel better. Okay. Um, well, when we go back to the sit-in, it's the next morning. There's a, a full-on picket line happening outside. Yep. And there's also a line that's formed inside the bathroom. And there is just, oh, this great music choice that is just, it's kind of like whoever is going to be the star of this music choice is just like saying a giant F you to the world. Okay. And it's perfect because that person is Megan. Mm-hmm. And she has just done herself up and is leaving the bathroom with like 40 other people out there. She's looking good. She's walking down the hallway. She's like, I don't care about any of you. I look great. Yeah, she's Music feeling was good about things. And then we kind of look around and people are are you know it's morning people just had a sleepover and now like they're playing hacky sack and they're playing we've got uh elena and julie and ruby and felicity playing jacks i haven't yeah, I remember thought jacks. about jacks in years. i know i saw that and i was like ah i used to be able to get to 11 z's that brought me way back um i don't think i ever actually played it formally with anybody we had jacks oh. I played it by myself. I would bounce balls and pick up oh. jacks. And I had no idea what any of the rules were. But there's a certain look They're to them. Hard. Like, you you see them, you know what it is. Yeah. yeah the, the rules are not that difficult. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so it's a pretty calm, casual morning until... Bum, bum, bum! I know, I was so mad. John Simmons brings Edward Porter. Oh, I mean, I was just so mad at this whole scene. This was, this was anger inducing up until like the last second. And then it was like, what just happened? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So 
John Simmons has put a little pressure on Dr. Edward Porter because actually John Simmons was in part, he helped Dr. Porter get his job that he's no longer doing. <laughs> I know. I know. He helped him get his job back. Oh, is that what they said? Thank God. Yes. Okay. So now her dad is working at the hospital again. Okay. He got finally it. has a job. And great news. Okay. John so Simmons. Now all right. he's Fun got voice. some clout to bring Edward Porter down here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's uh, putting some pressure on Dr. Porter to put some pressure on his daughter. And so um, it doesn't seem like it took much, right? No. Because, you know, her dad sits down and says, Hey, um, so my man, John Simmons over here, uh, he asked for my help to kind of try to stop the sit-in. And yeah, I asked, what is the sit-in about? And he said, why don't you take a look at the paper? Mm-hmm. And by the way, this whole conversation is now happening in a back room where it's just Greg and Felicity, John Simmons and Edward Porter. Mm-hmm. Backroom deal. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so this story made the paper like in pa- page 30 something, you know, it's 30. not front news. Front page 32 news. or 34. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, look, it is the New York Times. So my goodness. Yeah. I mean, still, you, you hit the big time, right? Yeah. And Edward Porter is going to take his daughter to task here. He's like, what are you even thinking? You don't get out of trouble by getting into more trouble. You're here because you're being punished. <laughs> and Felicity is mm-hmm. like, and he's stern. He's very stern with her. And well, John Simmons starts the softer approach. He hmm. kind of tries to bribe her ish. He's like, look, just call it off and I will make sure that we do like 100%. We will do an administrative review of all of this stuff. The full review of the policy. Full review. And and Felicity's a little confused here. So she looks to Greg. Greg does not exactly look like this is going to get her anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, then her dad, who literally is propped up against the chair because he has no legs to stand on, mm. zero legs, yeah, he's just a legless man, <laughs> okay, trying to just bully her. Yes. And he's like... I talked to Dean Allison. I got a full rundown of all the different types of trouble that you can get in here and all the ways that this could be painful to you. And I'm going to tell you what each of them are. You could lose your being an RA. You could be expelled. You could be arrested. Mm-hmm. At which point I wrote, shut up. Um mm-hmm. And then Felicity kind of sits with this for a second and gets quiet and then comes back and says, yeah. I might get I mean, expelled or arrested. And that's that's what I'm doing then. Yeah. Because you can't be the boss of me. She's she <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting that they 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 wrote in this line that I guess is meant to like add back, I don't know, it's meant to add like substance for her, but she's like, this isn't like the rollerblades. You can't just make it stop because you want it to. I'm not a kid anymore. Now, none of us have any idea what happened with the rollerblades, but what I'm gathering 
is that this is another example of a time when Edward Porter saw Felicity doing something he didn't like. And he was like, I'm taking your rollerblades away. And uh, she let him. And she had to. Probably did. And um, uh, in this situation, she's like, no, we're changing the script. I'm not a kid anymore. And uh, I mean, he, he really does. I don't know how because he has no legs, but he manages to get on a high horse and says that he is just not going to accept this. Yeah. It's just unacceptable. Well, thanks for your contribution, Edward Porter. Uh, And Felicity really like, yes, she says the rollerblade thing. It's a bit much, but when she actually (laughs) says, you know what? I'm not a kid. She's Mm -hmm. not joking. I mean, she is angry. Yeah, she's, she's like, about that's, this. I have now shut down the, my dad in the room. And then she turns, who, who is effectively in this moment being bad cop. And then she turns to John Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny. It's, it's funnier every it's time. A, I say I, it. I'm going to make it, I'm going to drag this out as long as I can the next time <laughs> I say his name. Um, and the good cop in this situation. And she's like, you know what? No, thanks on this review. I really believe in this. So does every single person who's out there. And And I I see Greg. I see Greg at this moment. Mm -hmm. He has a look of respect Mm -hmm. as he is hearing Felicity say this. Well, and then he's tested on that look, right? Because it's not just like, because Edward Porter is going to have a similar look later when Felicity leaves. But in this moment, it's like Greg has been able to sit in this room and be kind of on both sides without being on anybody's side because nobody has asked him to speak. And so he might give a look like that, but then you're like, yeah, but how great, how, how helpful is that to Felicity? So John Simmons turns to Greg and he says, Greg, tell Felicity what you were telling me earlier. (laughs) And Greg's like, (laughs) No, no, no. Nope. Look, everything gets stuck in review. Here's like a list of a hundred things <laughs> that <laughs> I've brought to you that are stuck in review. And I'm with the sit-in. Yep. He backs Felicity up, mm-hmm. which is a good time to back her up because the news is here. Oh my God. Lula comes in. News is here. TV crew. Yep. Felicity. We need you. Here we are. You are our spokesperson for better or for worse. <laughs> and Felicity is dragged out of that room, kicking and screaming, terrified. Yes. Um, At which point, and I should have noticed this earlier, we're talking about, you know, re- like the morning after pill. She is the only woman in a room with three men, all yeah. of whom are like, quote unquote like authority figures to her Mm -hmm. and you know i mean i gotta give her respect for and uh and a fourth man was a well i don't know i'm assuming dean allison is a man yes um so i mean unless greg is calling a woman sir okay okay so yeah um so a fourth man is being evoked here as another authority figure and the thing is, so what makes the scene interesting for me is that when Felicity is now leaving the room, 
they linger, the, the camera lingers on Edward Porter, who yeah. smiles. Because in yeah. this moment, so seeing this actually really was important to me and how I looked at the whole scene that had just come before it. Because what I now understand about this scene is that here's four people in a room. Felicity, who's rising up. John Simmons, <laughs> who's representing trying to keep things as the status quo. Yep. Greg, who runs the health center and is powerless. Her dad, who has just gotten his job back because of this guy who has a connection to power and who ultimately is also powerless. Like he and Greg are on the same exact footing here. Mm-hmm. Greg, although Greg might, you know, there might be even more, there's more risk for Greg in that like he's supposed to be running this health center, which is where all of this is going down. But both Edward Porter and Greg have some, something to lose in this situation. So and they're Felicity. Yeah. And, and they're being, well, but Felicity is the one who's instigated this uprising, right? Yeah. Like, so she's, she's already a- identified that she is the voice of the opposition as far as John Simmons is concerned. And like Edward Porter and Greg are brought into this room as a means of putting pressure on Felicity and don't really, and they have, a, they have a lot to lose by not. So the fact that Greg openly supports Felicity in the room, Edward Porter doesn't but he's like the barkiest of barky bad cops, right? And then, because <laughs> I wanted to make that sound as trivial as possible. Mm. And then like when she leaves the room, this smile tells me he's really proud of her. Like, okay, I put on the show for John Simmons. <laughs> like I was here to put on a show for John Simmons, but I'm actually like, okay. <laughs> with Felicity winning this battle in this room and like proud that she's standing up in this situation is what I got out of it. Like to me, it made everything he had just done seem like he was putting on a show for John Simmons. I mean, he definitely was called in um, by this man and pressure was put on him. But I also think that he he still is Felicity's father, and he still sees himself in that role of what I say goes. Mm-hmm. And I think her just losing it on him and saying, I'm not a kid, I'm standing up to you, in this moment, I, I feel like that's kind of what he's proud of. Like Mm -hmm. he's proud of, you know, the fact that she is growing up and, you know, she's, it's not just that she's standing up to him. It's that she's, she's standing up for herself and her friends. And I don't know, like, I just, I did feel like when he came in, he felt entitled to say, like this is unacceptable you will stop Mm -hmm. and i think her reaction is what he's proud of yeah and i think like 
he has to sort of sit with this and be like, it isn't just me and her and a pair of rollerblades. This is me and her and a school policy and a room, a, a health center full and a street full of people who back up what she's saying. Like she's, it's goes far beyond the two of us. And yes. Felicity is pulling, putting her dynamic with her dad completely to the side to say like, I am your official spokesperson for a protest. That's what I am in this room to you. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's it. And um, I agree. It helps that the, that the news is coming there and they're pulling her out of the room to be the, the spokesperson. I also think her dad in part was trying to protect her a little bit. And I agree that that the moment the news shows up and she's on the spot, you know, he also has to realize exactly what you just said. It's not just about her. So just protecting her, you know, I mean, it can be his answer, but he's got to have some respect for the fact that she's not thinking about herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is a real Peric victory. <laughs> so oh, like, she's going to get out to this TV crew, which just basically saved her from the room she was just in, but puts her in a whole new fire. Um, she is pretty nervous about having to be on camera. And she doesn't, the, the thing with her being the spokesperson that is so difficult is she is not representative of the people who to this point in time have taken this pill. So it's I mean, hard to talk from personal experience. Yeah. Like her research on this amounts to the montage that we saw earlier, yeah. which probably happened in one night. And yeah. you know, it's uh, so Felicity is confiding in Elena and Julie and she's like, boy, this is nerve wracking. Elena Harkening back to her only advice in Gimme an O, just puts her hands up to her head and goes, focus. Yep. Be the ball. Yep. That's it. Focus. Be the ball, Felicity. Julie offers more real-time encouragement. She's like, no, like, look, you were, you were talking to everybody downstairs. You were fine. And Felicity's like, I got an ulcer from doing that. <laughs> and to be honest, they made her at like, be really uh, nerve nervous and like bumbling and fumbling for words even in that talk so that he could set this up so she's at a bit of a loss here when they start rolling tape um and (laughs) you know but that's that's pretty much where where they are on this at the moment yeah and then we're gonna see um we're going to see the reporter like trying to get this interview out with listening. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's tough. It's live um, TV. He's like, let me just try to ask you questions. All right. I'm going to try again. Oh, okay. Got any more teeth back there? I can pull. Um, Felicity is so flustered and yeah. she can't formulate sentences. And she's like, can I start over? And this thing is live. Yeah. <laughs> so Julie saves the day. Yeah, because if I was Felicity, right, my thought is, why am I here? 
Mm -hmm. I'm here because of Julie and because of Layla. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily here for me in the moment. Like, yes, maybe it'll become important to me in the future. I don't know. But like, uh, what really inspired me was these other people. Now, I don't think I can just call them out and point to them on TV. So like, I don't know how to answer this question. Yeah. Which is basically the question is like, why are you doing this? And that is a question, a spokesperson who is being like on, who is currently on live TV should be able to answer. (laughs) Why are you here? Long haired guy gave her zero media training. Yeah, there's no media training involved here. They didn't have even one talking point for Felicity. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And Julie jumps in. And she speaks very, in a Julie-esque, but very eloquent way about, you know, that why is this important? Well, for example, for somebody who was raped, you know, I've been through it and thank goodness that I had this option because it took something off of my plate. You know, this is for comfort, not just for women who were raped, but for all women and their partners. And um, it, it, it was a speech that sounded like Julie, you know, it was delivered in a very Julie way. And it was also a perfectly acceptable um, sp- like thing a spokesperson would say, like it was, it was very much uh, what the sound bites that the TV crew needed. And it was told from her voice. And the, the sort of meta of it all is that Julie hasn't been talking with people about this and she just put this on blast. Yeah. Like she got it off her chest in the biggest possible way she could. Um and so, like, they've been building for that this whole episode with her. And she just gets this moment and she really delivers. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's uh, harder to argue with, like, a rape victim. And, and the woman is not trying, the, the female reporter, you know, it, she's not. There are no gotcha questions here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Julie, I think, does put the best face on this that you know anyone could. Mm-hmm. I think today, obviously, things are a little more divided, and people will tell you if they believe or not. Um, but for this time period, like that was, it was like rape and incest. These are two things that you don't get to, like, like you just, those are the lines that society has drawn where you can't argue about this subject anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she does make the perfect kind of face of, of the movement, um, or at least spokesperson for it. And thank goodness, because uh, somebody needed to say why they were all there. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) can anybody, can anybody tell me why we're here today? (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, okay, I will. Um, It was, yeah, and it's a big reveal for her to make, not only because it's TV and it's a very Mm -hmm. wide audience, but because she hasn't even been able to go to a counselor with this, you know, like 
she hasn't even been able to open up about somebody who's planning to keep it confidential, <laughs> you know? So it's like to broadcast it on this scale is a really big, bold choice for Julie. Yep. And then we're going to get to go back inside and Felicity is going to be grateful to Greg yeah. for backing her up. And, um, and, and, all, well, and all of Julie's friends are, are supportive of her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's like a really interesting exchange of looks between Sean and Felicity when Felicity, when Julie starts talking about her rape and those two characters just look at each other like, Oh my goodness, she's going there. Um, I think they're all really proud of Julie for, I mean, obviously doing this really hard job for the movement, but then like what it means for her on a personal level, I think it is, it's something you can really see everybody congratulating Julie for. Absolutely. But we're going to go from that very serious moment to inside the health center. Berkey's like, somebody has got to shower in here. (laughs) (laughs) So many people, so, so few showers, if any, probably none. Yeah, probably none. I Mm -hmm. mean, maybe Megan. She She might have bathed in the sink. Yeah. 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 Um, but we've got this, this again, sort of back room uh, feel to it with Felicity and Greg being there mm-hmm. and Felicity saying, you know, thanks. Thanks for backing me up. And Greg saying, you know, basically, there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, but I didn't make the decision to, to act on any of them. So thanks. I mean, to me, this was sort of a, you know, in the back of his head, he's thinking what you said earlier, like, all right, well, here's the things I would have been able to do. But you know what? She did. She, she did liven up and, and maybe inspire him again. Um, and so he says thanks. And then I made sure to write down because Dean Allison calls mm-hmm. and Greg calls him sir okay we kept hearing dean allison and i was like that sounds like a woman's name and so then i very purposefully just i was like let's make sure it's it's a sir because we saw the dean didn't we is there a new dean i there could be a new dean i don't know if it's the same dean we don't know but we know it's a man yeah or or maybe if we went back to the episode where we saw no. Noel talking about, because Noel talked to a dean about cheating. Right. And that's who I was thinking of. And I'm wondering and if there that. was a nameplate on his desk. But I feel like it was still Dean Allison, but I don't know. Okay. Regardless. Fair I would enough. here to just have a little like mini PSA. Um, when you're on a landline like this, and frankly, even on your cell phone, and you're having a conversation with someone that another person is um you know really kind of a part of uh there's a button you can push um it it makes it a speakerphone depends on what the landline is uh i feel like this one had a lot of buttons and a speakerphone would have been possible um as somebody who at this time 
uh, my family had rotary phones. And then we got, when we got a push button phone, it did not have a speaker option on it. This is an office phone. There were like yeah. multiple lines on it. I'm but did they get all fancy at the health center? They probably hadn't updated their phone system in a while. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's, are you, uh, are you standing up for Greg here? I'm, I'm standing up for not everybody. Like this was a time when technology was changing and not everybody was, was on the same page with what they had access to by a lot. Um, but today, everyone, if you find yourself in this situation, just put it on speakerphone. Okay. That seems fair. In this situation, I'm guessing they just didn't have access. So for a second, they try to share the phone. That doesn't really work. And then you just get Felicity annoyingly being like, what's he saying? What's he saying? For the whole time that Greg <laughs> is trying to field this call. Yep. And Greg's trying to relate what happened. Yeah, he's like, oh, there's a trustee. And, and they saw Julie on TV. And what? And what? And Dr. Simmons? <laughs> I mean, we have to assume he's now been put in his place. John Simmons. Ugh. Well, it turns out this is all a big misunderstanding and yes. they back down. Yep. Backpedaling so fast. Uh-huh. Felicity, and, who is very yeah. excited. Very. Grabs Greg and kisses him right on the lips. Just does it. I'd say it looked like a good kiss. Mm -hmm. Gary Russell. She looks like a good kisser because Greg can't even close his mouth. He's like gulp. Uh, his <laughs> eyes just go wide and they just take this moment. They're like, we don't have time to address this now. So <laughs> she's like, let's go tell everybody else what we're so excited about. Yep. It's like, can't deal, compartmentalize, quick, mm -hmm. walking out, walking out the door. And, and here's another moment why I just really liked Greg in this moment. I mean, mm -hmm. he could have been a total dick and like tried to take credit for all of this, mm -hmm. but he just gets everyone's attention and he hands the megaphone to Felicity. Yep. She's and like... I thought that was, that was not dickish behavior. It just wasn't. And she does the same thing, right? Because she's like, thank you to all of you, and especially to Julie Emmerich. Yeah, no mention of, of Leela, who actually started this. Yeah, that's true. Um, but she isn't like, thanks to me and all my hard work <laughs> and my montage researching. Like, you know, she could have done that. She didn't, though. She gives Julie a lot of credit here. And she's like, they caved. We won. And everybody starts dancing. Yeah. I thought this was really inappropriate. Like, it's now a dance party. It's a dance party and, now. And she's being held, like, up by Sean. And, like, everyone's super happy. It's like, yay, we got back, like, one thing. And we still aren't, you know, getting other, a whole bunch of other stuff. But, like. Well, they were there with one mission. Nothing. I understand why they would be excited. I mean, yeah, it just felt like from a production standpoint, the music was a little much. Well, the music was got what I wanted, got what I needed. <laughs> I mean, it was on the nose, right? <sighs> I okay. don't know. I felt like it was a bit much, but I very much enjoyed uh, Banky. 
Berkey. Berkey. Why do I keep calling him Banky? I have no idea. Um, oh. But Berkey <laughs> goes to Greg. She kissed you, didn't she? He's like, I can see it all over your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, here, I'm I, doing all this work and you get the benefits of it. He says there's a little more um, culinary than that. He says, mm-hmm. I do all the cooking and you get the cake. Yeah. And the cake is Felicity's lips. Yeah. And then he turns around and he's like, can you believe it, Megan? Mm-hmm. Megan's like, I'm going to kill her. Yeah, I'd like to give this um, this whole episode an award for at least so far that I've noticed the the most death threats against Felicity. Okay, because we've got this one here, and Javier at the very beginning was like, "I'm going to kill you," because yeah. she looked. Yeah. So two, okay. two is the number we're looking to beat. In the future. Um, okay. Got it. Yeah. I hear you. But, uh, I feel like two is a lot. That is a lot. Well, in terms of killing, uh, shall we head to the Ben and Noel stuff? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't want to bury the lead here, but we really wanted to, to talk a lot about social justice and movements before, um, you know, letting you have dessert. And getting you to the best part of this episode. Our dessert. Yeah. So all pretty much everything with Noel and Ben here is revolving around the fact that Ben is in Noel's class. And, you know, we had set it up in the fir- very first scene with Ben struggling with his reading and Felicity had said, maybe you should talk to Noel about it. So that is going to happen here where they're in Noel's class on the board, on the, on the blackboard is written social progress, evolution or revolution. That's... Yep what is on the board and is as clear as possible what we are meant to be taking away from this side plot. Um, and uh, yes, what I took away from it was that the entire city of New York didn't have any more hair product because it was all in Ben's hair. Oh, okay. Making it so very spiky. That's fired. So um, spiky. Yeah. Spiky hair, spiky yep. haired Ben. Um, mm-hmm. So they're in this class and Noel has posed a question to the class that obviously nobody felt comfortable to answer. So it's one of those like anybody, anybody moments that we're walking into. And Ben raises his hand and throws out an interpretation of Eugene Debs. And Noel's like really appreciative that Ben comes up with a theory, but unfortunately it's the opposite of the conclusion he was meant to draw but but you know good on ben to like not just give a one word answer but be like well i think it's Debs because blah 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 blah. like he has uh he walks down a path it's just the wrong path and so noel's like well uh really good point what you just said yeah but it would be the opposite of that because remember (laughs) when you said this thing it was like a very very soft <laughs> like how can I not fully discourage everybody in the class from raising their hand in the future um, yeah, and let's give Noel like some credit here 
Remember what happened last time he didn't get anyone to raise their hand? Yeah, he just massacred Ruby right on the spot. Yeah, yeah. did not do that this time. So, I mean, lesson learned. Yeah. And he was super nice to Ben. He was like, yes, at one point in the reading, what just came out of your mouth was in fact said. Mm-hmm. However, had you continued reading, Mm-hmm. and or understood the rest of the book uh you would see that you are in fact completely incorrect and you know what in this moment i kind of feel for ben because have you ever had like it's been many many years since i took a test but for for like a class but um i, re- I remember so many times with like multiple choice questions where you'd be given these like you could immediately throw two out one was probably the answer they wanted, but the other one, like of the four, was like, actually, you can make a case for this being true also. <laughs> it used to happen to me all the time where I'd be like, well, there's really two answers that could be right here. And I always wished that my brain didn't work that way. Well, unfortunately, um, it seemed like... Noel's question was more of a a true or false Mm -hmm. than a multiple choice. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately. In Ben's case, he got stuck on one and he got stuck on one piece of language that led him down a path and it was really like missing the overall point. Um, But I think, you know, Noel does a good job of being like, I see how you got there. Thanks for jumping in with that. And like the point was this. Um, and just slowly see, you know, Ben being like proud of himself. Okay, I raised my hand. I put something out there. Noel said something positive about it. And he's like looking good. You know, he's like, he's proud of himself. And then as Noel keeps talking, Ben's face just gets like, sadder and sadder. Kerpow. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it, um, it's just, oh. man, we're just having a Ben is stupid episode. And I don't love when we do this No, because um, he's not, but they're putting it out there in this way. Um, well, and here's the thing. Academics aren't for everyone. He mm-hmm. has, you know, he's working on emotional intelligence. He's certainly got like a lot of social cues and all that kind of stuff down, um, you know. Well, I've got to tell you, Fish, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to like spoil you hard on this, but Ben is going to become a pretty good student. And hey, look, so like they're he, he, showing us about... here that he almost doesn't have an aptitude for it. And I'm not sure that that's fair with where they're going to go. So it's like, he might not have an interest. He might need to work on like how he's filtering information, but they're going to go from like stuff like this to Noel's that to Ben's a pretty good student um and I see that that coming from a later part of this episode um okay I mean we can talk about it oh I, I'd be curious I to unpack that a little bit because I, I I worry when they do stuff like this that it's like you're gonna get to like a later seasons and be like what he's such an idiot <laughs> like if you always thought that by by watching this stuff then it won't ring very true later but I I'm going to be really interested to see where you, where you thought there was room for that because boy, we need it. Um, Yeah. I think we have to separate out smart 
from well-educated. I think Ben is smart, but, you know, we'll see later in this episode, he says, I didn't actually do anything in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, and I kind of feel bad, like he's not well-educated. So when he comes into a class where other people already know how to study, they Mm -hmm. already know the techniques that work for them. They know how many M&Ms they need to Mm -hmm. eat in what amount of time. Um, You know, maybe they have a passing familiarity with certain topics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, certain history, certain Western philosophers um you know it's it's not something he paid attention to yeah he's got some catch-up to do yeah that's really true well so the class is gonna end uh we're gonna get just a moment of ruby like hey you good yeah i'm good bye so basically she's still in the class yes um that's pretty much what we get with her thanks for being here amy smart um, well, and I saw Noel just, you know, he's asking a question and he's lingering on looking at Ruby and I'm like, don't do it. Hmm. Don't you do it again. Mm-hmm. The girl's pregnant. Done enough. Yeah. Broken a heart. Yeah. But then the next person to file out of the room after that is, is going to be Ben. And Noel's just going to be like, hey, thank you for answering. Um, oh, thanks. thanks for trying. <laughs> thanks and, for you know, if you ever want help studying. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Which I guess Ben's going to say yes to. Well, and he says it in a very like low key way. I was like, good job. He's like, you ever want to talk about this stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. We don't see, I don't think we see Ben except on screen, but he obviously does before the next scene happens. The must. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they're just, I mean, they are kind of hanging out now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking, but they're also, they're not doing it in a library. They're at a store. They're at a convenience store picking up some stuff. Uh, Not some some stuff. More product placement. Mountain Dew and Mr. Pip. Yeah. And between the two, Mr. Pip is getting the short end of the stick here. I'm just saying. But it's my favorite thing. Uh, (laughs) Like... It may be, but it's so bad and it's so funny that like, I think it, it plays well. Um, ah, see, I thought you were saying you really enjoy Mr. Pibb. No, I mean, I, I don't drink beer, but I am. Um, it's a soft drink. That Oh, it's a soft drink? Mr. Pibb. Yeah, it's like Dr. Pepper. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, well, there you have it. I also don't know what Mr. Pibb is. So they walk into the store. They're basically studying while, like they're they're posing philosophy questions. They're batting it around and they're well, shopping for their food. It's, it's for the backdrop of what we're looking at. They are talking about the pace of societal change mm-hmm. and whether that will lead to violence or war. Mm-hmm. And right. so that's kind of the, you know, they continue to talk about all the things not really all the things there's no violence or war in the student center but they are talking about you know the general theme of revolution and and so noel as they walk into the store noel's put this pretty big question out there like hey can change lead to violence and uh and ben responds by opening up the fridge and going who the hell drinks mr pib Um, yeah oh Uh I love them in this episode I love them so much it hurts me um 
They are. They are great. Um, and <laughs> and who was it? Was it Ben or Noel? Was like, I want a Mountain Dew. I was like, dude, you do not need the caffeine. Yeah. Don't do it. Well, okay. So the next time we see them, they will be, you know, properly studying in a in a. Were they at the? They were. Where were they? Um, I thought they were at, at like. Well, they weren't at Ben's apartment, and they weren't we're getting at stuck on this Ben's too. Apartment. I think they were in. I got the feeling that they were in Ben's room, but yeah. I am now thinking to myself, we've not actually seen Noel's room, and who's more likely to have a video game? Well, so they but, were. But they were surprised. in a living room. Yeah, they're definitely in like a house. I'm guessing if I had to guess where they are, I think they're in Noel's apartment. And I think just because it's so messy or it just looks different somehow. Um, because all the beer, Ben is offering Noel the beer. And the Noel thing. doesn't even know. But it doesn't look like the loft. That's why I'm okay. So, but remember. But there's not a full fridge in his room. It's not a full fridge. It's a mini fridge. Um, even so. Like, I think there is. I think because we've never seen his room, it's like around the corner in the loft, and the loft is so huge. I absolutely no, we see his room at points, and it's not, he doesn't have all the stuff in it. He doesn't have a, it, they're in like an open plan living room. There's a couch that they're going to, we're going to see later. Like, it feels like maybe the, the couch that Elena and Noel play video games from. No, because there was no mini fridge to the side, and the side that they had the mini fridge on is open into the kitchen ah. on that side. Listeners, <laughs> what? Where, where are, are they, they right now? Like, I know you love this scene, listeners. I, like, I'm sure many of you do. Where is this taking place? Um, we I are. Think this is Noel's room. I think this is Ben's room in the loft. Or maybe okay. like upstairs in the loft. No, the, the upstairs Julie? in the loft. We'll see that later, and it's very oh, like uh, there's a bed, and there's no walls. Um, I then I think, it's and we're going to see room. Ben's room later, and it doesn't look like this, and it has to be somewhere where Noel can be on a couch, and, and Ben can throw a beer can at his head from a fridge. <laughs> I it's definitely somebody's room. Or I don't think so. I think it's a main living area. It just doesn't look like this doesn't look like either location to me. Um, All right. You heard it. You're putting the challenge down. I'm putting it down. I, folks, I know you're going to want to watch this scene back if you haven't already. (laughs) Yeah. So like, let's just, let's just sort this out. What am I, what am I missing here? What are we missing? Um, But we're back at that, this location of sorts. And Ben and Noel are still talking about philosophy, talking about Bakunin. Yeah, Noel is still trying to study. Um, Um, Ben gets an answer right. mm -hmm. And then they address Bakunin as a pretty angry guy. And Noel's like, and he's he's the opposite of. And Ben puts it out there. Marxist communism. And I was like, good job. Good job. We should keep studying. And Ben's like, beer? Well, Noel makes the mistake of going, 
great job. You know more than me now. And Ben's like, oh, good. And he's like, beer? And I was like, wait, 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 no. But when I said, you know more than me, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have to continue studying to get through this. And he's like, nope, having a beer break. Yep. Yep. Time to get a beer. And, uh, and I was like, what's this? He's being handed a can. It says beer on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, takes him a second. But he's like, all right. All right, we're going to do this. Um, I guess as long as we're doing this, let me ask some questions. Because mm-hmm. when I was in high school, uh, this is the kind of stuff I was doing. What must your life have been like? Things like parties, swimming, track, girls. Yeah. Yeah. And Noel is, is sitting there going, gosh. I wish that was my life. But what he actually says is we had diametrically opposed high school experiences. I which sometimes is like why use, yeah. he did not ever get laid in high school because mm. he says stuff like that. Although yeah. I guess he did because of Hannah. Well, I sometimes like to use the term diametrically opposed. And I always think of Noel when I do it. <laughs> This has come up for me in real life on a number of occasions. Yeah, but you took it from a show. I did. You were like, hey, cute boys. A show that nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Like nobody. The the people that I've used this with have no idea Uh, what I'm referring to. But I'm like, huh, we're diametrically opposed on this. And they're like, you idiot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know how it is. Um, And Ben here, and this is where, this is, this is the scene I was talking about. Ben says, you know, that's, this is what I did in high school. I actually feel bad that I didn't do any work. Mm-hmm. Like, I got Bs, I got Cs, I didn't flunk anything. I probably should have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, this is just, he didn't try on the academic side. Doesn't mean he's not smart, just means he he was you know drinking and playing sports and having sex like yeah he certainly doesn't have a study process <laughs> you know he, he was having a good time yeah well fish thank goodness they burst they they brought the beer out because uh wow. boy this is really gonna escalate us quick um next time we see ben and noel oh they are however many drinks in all but two, all but yep. two drinks in. And they are, they're at least buzzed, if not drunk. Oh, they're drunk. They're drunk. And they're, they're drunk. playing, did you say Street Fighter? Uh, it's not quite Street Fighter, but it looks like some sort of Street Fighter knockoff or maybe like an earlier version of Street Fighter. Um, they're playing Paul and Jin. Um, I don't remember those ever being Street Fighter names. Okay. Well, um, I mean, mostly what I was hearing was Ben going, you suck, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> like in a very, we're, we're just here playing video games kind of way. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed that. I just, I, you know, we needed this. We, we desperately needed this. In this whole thing, we just really needed this. Mm-hmm. And Noel, Noel is just like, I'm, I am so kicking your ass. I, and he's literally just like kicking the little computer guy 
on the screen. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm kicking your ass. I've always wanted to. Mm -hmm. And And then Ben takes a a momentary break. Uh, No, doesn't, but Ben takes a momentary break and he's like more beer. And then uh, Noel's like more beer. (laughs) How much more beer could there be? Yeah. He's like, Ben, Ben just starts railing. He's like, got two beers left, which means we have to go to a bar because we need more beer. Yeah. <laughs> and then and Noel's like still playing. And then yeah. we get the moment. Yeah. The moment that I imagine so many of us love, and we've had a comment about as well. Um, oh, wow. It is the moment where a beer can <laughs> sails across the room and connects directly with Noel's head. <laughs> And you hear like the the, the, the the tinny, like the aluminum sound of a yes. beer can connecting with a head directly. And I I can't even remember. Like, did Ben say like catch or anything? It was like here. Chuck it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he just throws the beer because it's obviously the best way to do this. Directly yeah. connects with Noel's head. Like almost knocks him off the couch backwards. Yes. And Noel's like, ow! And he's, you know, like holding his head and he stands up and he's doing Noel stuff and being all complainy, which is fair because that beer can hit him really hard. <laughs> ben. Oh, Ben. Um, what does Ben do? Ben, ben just starts apologizing. He's like, oh. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, guys, Noel's I like, mean... you hit me. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like a, just look, hit me back. Okay. You've always wanted to. I hit you, you hit me. And like Noel's a little reluctant at first. Well, so Ben is like, just hit me. Just just hit me. And Noel is like, I'm not gonna hit you. Like he's holding his head and he's like, would never would never have crossed his mind, right? Mm-hmm. But Ben, Ben, he's like, come on. And then he he Payback. slightly makes the mistake of saying You've always wanted to, which is what Noel was just feeling while kicking and beating up this poor defenseless, um, what was his name, Paul, uh, on the computer or the the game system. Mm -hmm. And I, I just love this moment because Noel stands there and he's kind of like, you're right. And he just, he just flat out, he just flat out socks him. Yeah. And then, and then Ben turns his head up and he's holding the side of his face. And the two of them are shocked. Yeah. Neither one of them can believe what just happened. Mm-hmm. And Noel in his head is saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, like I'm you can sorry. see, he I'm starts so to formulate the so word, sorry. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> yeah. Because the look in Ben's eyes are, it's on. It's on. Ben <laughs> full on tackles Noel. Yeah. And they st- they <laughs> knock over the TV and yep. they start just fight, just all out fighting on the floor. Yep. What I love about this shot is I don't even know having so they the TV falls over, it's on its side, and we are looking and Noel and Ben are sort of behind the, the, the TV is closer to the camera. Mm-hmm. And we see Ben and Noel on their sides in the same direction, fighting just like the, <laughs> like whatever the game this is. Like all the fighters are pointing in the same direction, <laughs> <laughs> sideways. <laughs> I love it so much. It was such a great camera choice. Oh uh, bonus points to Barnett Kelman. Okay, thank you yeah. for this thank scene. You for this. We enjoyed it. We will enjoy it again and again and again. Uh, um, we already enjoyed it twice. Uh, I just want to say, Fish, I remember, and I I teased this in our last podcast, but I re- this is one of the episodes, this is one of the scenes that I remember watching with you in college, and you got as much joy out of it. <laughs> we, got, we together got as much joy out of it as we got this time, like word for word. And not. Yeah. Oh, it held up. It held yeah. up beautifully. I mean, that's, it's, it's artwork. Um, yeah. And- At one point, as we were watching the episode, taking notes, you asked me to pause and you were like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's like, this is great. This is great. <laughs> well, it was because when they started fighting, I couldn't take notes. I was like, I just have to watch this happen. Genius. And and I was like, can you pause it? And then, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I'm just going to throw in a note from an optimist here, even though we have a little bit more fun Ben stuff to do, Ben and old stuff to do. Um, uh, note from an optimist, Ben, I, I, you know, look, I'm not necessarily always like a let's put up our fists sort of person here. But Ben and Noel needed a physical yes. altercation. We needed them to have a physical altercation. Yes. It was everything we all wanted. Yep. That's it. I wrote that down. I literally wrote, we needed this to happen. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, uh, in high school, I was playing on a, um, on a water polo team that wasn't part of my high school Uh um you just sort of played on these teams uh, when it wasn't your season okay and we had this coach and he was used to you know um dealing with the guys he was the guy's coach and he comes on deck and he's clearly never dealt with girls before and he kind of doesn't want to and so he, he gets up to give his like big first speech to us. And he's like, look, we do not fight in the water. You know, we don't take anything out of here. If you have a problem with another member of this team, we will settle it on the deck. You will throw down, you will fight, and then it will be 
over. Oh. I don't want to hear anything about you guys talking behind each other's back, you know, any of that kind of stuff. That's it. Mm-hmm. And apparently from that speech, I then learned this is how men deal with their differences. Yes. And sometimes it's just necessary to punch someone in the face. Yeah. Um, or throw a beer can at them. Okay. So I was like, you know, you're, you're not correct. This is not how <laughs> we usually deal with our problems. Um, but it gave me a good insight into, into why this scene worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to cut from this very dramatic, all the fighters sideways, uh, to the aftermath. <sighs> it's the next morning. Yep. We're just getting a TV. It's just fuzz. It's just static on the TV. Yeah, they killed it. They killed the TV. TV's dead. So are they really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the apartment is in total disarray. Crushed up snacks are everywhere. Uh-huh. And beer cans. Beer cans. Noel is on the couch, fully yeah. hungover, just peeling himself up off the couch. He's like, oh. Well, what I noticed was he's got dry mouth. Yeah. He, he, I think both of them did an excellent job, both playing drunk and playing hungover. Now, mm-hmm. and probably in a fair amount of pain. And in a fair amount of pain. But, Come on, you guys are in your early, early 20s. Mm-hmm. No way are you that hungover. There is no way that you get to be that hungover before you hit 30. Like, this was a 30-year-old's hangover. Um, but they also just what? had a severe physical altercation. No. The and Noel had mouth, had his head fully slammed into by a beer can that was thrown across the room. That doesn't cause dry mouth. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they were very good at it, but, like, 20-year-olds do this and then get up and go to practice. Yeah, you know what, Fish? Don't don't ruin my fun, okay? <laughs> Noel had dry mouth, all right? Melissa's never been drunk. Oh, no, I haven't. Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh. So we had actually, when we pan through the room, so we go from the, the TV, before we go up to see Noel, we, we pan across and we just see legs on the floor. Yeah. Somebody is face down. Then we pan up, we see Noel. So it's not Noel that nope. we just saw the legs of. But yeah, then Noel has the reactions that you've just described. Then we cross back down to Ben. <laughs> he's like, oh, Ben's still here. And he looks down, he's like, Ben, you dead? Ben just goes, yeah. And he's just like, <laughs> his face is just muffled into the floor. And oh, that carpet. I mean, it's not even a carpet. That was one of those like straw. Oh, so uncomfortable floor coverings. Like I feel so bad for his face. Well, and then oh, this was so great from Scott Speedman. Yeah. He, I'm going to describe this as Ben peels himself from floor. In my notes. Yes. Yep. And it's every moment of it is unbearable. (laughs) (laughs) He just, he's just like his whole face is smushed into this uncomfortable carpet. It's not good. No. And he's just, he's 
up. Look, he's sitting up, kind of, a little mm-hmm. leaning. And he's just like, he can't even turn his head mm-hmm. to look at Noel. He just says, it's an emergency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he goes to make a hangover drink. Mm-hmm. They want to cure their hangovers. And Ben starts pouring, he, like he's, he's got a whole bunch of ingredients. What was it? Tomato juice. Lime juice. And eggs. Egg. Tomato juice. It's the fourth thing, I think. Yeah. I don't think it was celery because he's not making a Bloody Mary. But like, okay, again, I know like 98% of you don't need this advice. But like on the off chance that we find ourselves a young person listening to this, um best hangover cure is tomato soup something about tomatoes um that's if you don't want to just keep drinking um some people say it's like a burger but depending on how drunk you got you will puke tomato soup and lots of water and alka-seltzer that's what you want and remember don't take advil with alka-seltzer because it has aspirin in it oh so that is the actual cure okay well water alka-seltzer tomato soup well ben's got ben's got his own system going here and he's pouring stuff into a blender (laughs) and noel poses the very important question okay so uh, we got in a fight um who won it yeah and ben's just I love Ben. Ben. He's so casual about this. He's blending and he just is like, as he's saying this, he turns to look at Noel right in the eye and says, I really don't think it was you. And then he turns the blender on and Noel's like, ah. (laughs) Well, so then here's my question, because I was going to ask you to go back and and play this again because what I heard Noel say is not what was in the script Mm. and maybe I just like heard it wrong because I thought that he said that's what I was just gonna say to you but in the script there's no to you he just says that's what I was gonna say yeah that's what I heard my because the the meaning of those two things is very different the thing right. that you thought he said would have meant I thought I won, right. but that's not what I heard. I thought Noel was agreeing that he thought he got his ass kicked. And that's where I was like, okay, because honestly, neither one of them looks too bad. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like there's a clear winner here. And I will say up when they, they like Noel hits Ben for the first time, I mean, I don't know if he's just like grown since season one. He's definitely filled out. Yeah. But he looks taller than Scott Speedman. Could be. It looks like they mostly were wrestling once they got down on the ground, which would mean you probably have bruises all over your body, but not necessarily your face. But But I would have felt really bad for season one, Noel, to fight season one, Ben. Yeah. Here, I feel like they were much more evenly matched. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like Noel could have gotten away with saying, like, I think I held my own. Yeah, fair enough. 
Well, we're going to get, uh, I think one more scene with them where they're just finishing up studying. They like say the final thing, they close their books. Marks. It was like, we're n- never studying together again. Right. Ben's <laughs> like, right. And Ben's like Marks. The ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. And of course that, you know, the whole thing of the show, blah, blah, blah. And Noel just looks at him and says, promise me, we won't have to study it again. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. All right. But then they're still going to keep sitting together. And no one is moving at this point. Let me just turn on the TV. Well, Ben goes to turn on the TV and he's yeah. flipping through a couple channels up until he sees Felicity, who is at that very moment <laughs> giving her disastrous live interview. Yep. And, uh, you know, she, she, they get to the point where, so now we're flipping between like the interview happening live on, at the health center and Ben and Noel watching it, which I thought was cool that we kind of, yeah we see it from the two angles that at the point when Felicity says, can I start over? Ben's like, no, you're on live TV. (laughs) And um, then when Julie comes on the screen, Noel and Ben are just staring mouths agape at Julie telling her whole story to the, to everybody, to everybody who's watching TV. And um, at the end of Julie's speech, there's just a chorus of people or like, it's more of a round of people saying, oh, my God, you, you like it. She says it and Noel and Ben say it. And everybody's just like, oh, my God, it's just it's all hitting them what Julie just did. And yeah, they're impressed. I think they one or both of them says, wow. But that sort of being absorbed in the television thing that they're doing, mm-hmm. I think had that ever happened to you like you'd be slightly less impressed with them um that's just what you do when you're hungover and you can't focus on anything else and Mm -hmm. you just have to kind of your head is fuzzy and you're like i must look at this Uh, yeah it's It's the only thing i can do right now well i do like that when they stopped and they saw people that they knew on the tv noel just says do you see this too yeah Like, I need to just double check that I'm okay here. <laughs> like, I may have a confession. Yeah. Not sure. Um, I, they did a really good job. They really, yeah. They were amazing. They, love. They were. So much love for them. So well, good. Fish, did you find any censorable lines here that you wanted to address? I did. I found two. Oh. I will say the second one's better. Okay. Um, well, let's. Then let's move into our What the Glove Did They Say segment. Love that intro. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. We are now in that segment. Um, So this one that we went over earlier is just uh, Javier and Ben and Dina DeLuca. And Javier says, oh, my God, he's walking over here. Benjamin, pretend we're going. And Ben's like, no, there's no way. No. Javier's like, yeah. Oh, and then for my birthday, Benjamin gave me a bubble bath with a lot of candles and aromatherapy. And then Ben's adorably cute. Oh. Yeah. 
Very nice. Yeah. And then the second one is Greg and Felicity. So, you know, if you're not a Greg fan, just lean into this one. Mm -hmm. All right. Just lean right in. So uh, Greg is talking about his uh, Zen cats. And uh, Greg says, I'm going to blow. And Felicity says, you're not going to blow. And Greg says, you know, you're right. I'm not going to blow. I'm going to grab ass. I know. So, so what or, or who, what or who is, uh, is he not going to blow? Bubbles. Not going to blow bubbles. And instead he's going to what ass? He's going to shave. Okay. And we have to <laughs> the know. bathroom theme. You, you uh, all try to figure not, out what that means. Oh, not no. going to blow bubbles, but he is going to shave ass. Who's? We don't know. But, um, but we've established that that is, in fact, what, it, what he's going to do. Seems like the second thing is a better pursuit for him. It's more you know, worthy of his time. I don't know. Shaving, shaving ass? It's hard to say. <laughs> My Does goodness. It depend on who's? I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. I just really enjoy that I just backed you into a corner of saying that it is much more productive to shave ass than blow bubbles. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't have thought that that would be where you Blowing bubbles has never been productive in any context, right? Like, And yet shaving ass is so necessary to life. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Blowing bubbles is about joy and children. You're supposed to think that stuff's good. It's a nice to have, though. <laughs> like when you really get down to it. It's like, it's like if somebody, like, just think about, <laughs> think about if you were trying to, like, get out of a commitment. And somebody was like, well, what are you doing instead? Like, blowing bubbles. It's like, <laughs> Nope, that's not acceptable. Sorry. Now say that again with the other excuse. Shaving ass. <laughs> I, I feel like it would be so confusing you couldn't dispute it. Whereas uh, with blowing bubbles, it's like uh, not valid. Be here at five. <laughs> you know, like sorry. All right, now I- Melissa will have absolutely no idea what I am about to say, but for all listeners who do. Um, I'm just going to say one word, Anton. Uh, hmm. Well, folks, that was the what the glove did they say segment. Beautiful. And now, Fish, we're heading into our favorite segment. Yay. After you listen to this tape, you have to erase it. Yes. And there's going to be something about beer and a beer can. There is. That's probably going to be towards the end. Um. We have a, just kind of a smattering of some different comments here. Um, Good word. We have one from Galena, Galena mm-hmm. Druk, who says, I really identified with Felicity because my parents pushed me into doing something high achieving too. So I always loved how the show was really about Felicity gaining independence and realizing her own passion and agency. I think later in season two, we will see some real growth and depth to Felicity and her people-pleasing nature. Definitely identify with that too. 
I actually think in a lot of ways, the show was ahead of its time in dealing with these themes. It's easy to forget this was more than 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually think that, com you know, the coming of age part is pretty much still relevant today. Um, yeah. But I do think that it's definitely something that the different people can identify with. And yeah, I mean, the uh, kids always have to get to a point where they become separate entities from their, their parents. And you know, that process isn't, isn't always fun. Yeah, a lot of times it's not. And I think, you know, I, I imagine a lot of people relate to what Galena was saying here. I mean, thank you, Galena, for voicing it. Um, and I think, you know, some, something that I've noticed is a lot of the people who at least listen to our podcast are people who went to college or were about that age around the time this show was happening. Maybe they overlapped a little bit, maybe not. But um, I think we're finding a lot of people who enjoy this show from watching it at, around that time or being a contemporary. And I think this show really kind of shows you this as as much as they create relationship drama i think they really show you an arc for felicity as a person and you know where they sh where they start you out in season one is so very bleak of her just like disrupting the course of what was supposed to be her life and feeling really uh nervous and unsure about it and having to back up her choices when she doesn't feel that kind of confidence. And here we are, you know, the reason I wanted to bring this comment in now is just to see that, that face off she had with her dad, where she's like, I am not a kid anymore. And it's a real moment for them to have where it's like, stop pushing me around, you know, like, yeah. I know my mind and this is what my mind's telling me to do. And um, what a big bull. She was always standing up to him in her choices, but never with this kind of conviction. Yeah. And they've also raised the stakes on it because before it was like, she, she still kind of had her family to fall back on. It was like, mm. yeah, I can go back to Stanford. Like, my parents will take care of me, you know, and I am making this decision. Now she could end up with a police record. Mm -hmm. And I will say, like, that's no joke. Like, I know someone, it's not Melissa. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say any other information about them, but they uh, participated in protests um, around. Uh, you know, around race and arrests, and they were, they are fairly young, um, like around, uh, like maybe a little, a little bit older than Felicity, and they got, uh, like clubbed on the back of the head by the cops, their friends got maced, they got thrown in jail and booked, um, as a, as a felony, and then it got dropped down, but they lost out on a really major job opportunity, like 
really, really major important job opportunity because when you search their name on the internet, the arrest record shows up even though all charges were dropped. Mm. So, you know, this is not a joke. Mm -hmm. She really is raising the stakes and they they have done that, I think, successfully with this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She not only has to be herself, stand up to her parents, but stand up to society. Yeah, yeah. Well, loving that comment. So I'm going to switch gears here. Um, we have a comment from at Heather M. O'Brien underscore on Instagram. I love Dr. Pavone. She has an old school vibe and seems to always get to the heart of what's at stake. She's a no BS kind of person, calls it like she sees it, an epic mix of raw and realness with a solid heart, just a bit rough and smoky around the edges. Uh, I mean, we have other comments about Pavone as well, but I just wanted to bring that one in for this one because we got that scene with her, like the base is basically the very pithy scene from Dr. Pavone where she's like, not Greg's issue, you funny kid. This is your <laughs> thing. Like, it's, it's just, you know, like, boy. <laughs> yep. She, she was a little agitated because she couldn't find her, her lighter. But once she managed that, you know, she she gave Felicity enough information and then just sat there and stared at her till she figured it out. <laughs> like, I'm going to let you piece this together. You've got yeah. all the information you need to do that. Yeah. yeah. I've arranged it pretty well. You just need to like slightly push it together. There you go. Good job. Yeah. I mean, Heather O'Brien, anytime we can talk up Pavone, I'll do it. It's <laughs> my job. Yep. Well, Okay, so now we posed a question about the last episode, and at Insta.Mickey has some thoughts. So Insta.Mickey says, you guys were wondering why the name of the episode was Things Change. And through it, I saw some big changes. Felicity and her dad. Oh my God, what a change in how we and Felicity see Dr. Porter. I felt so bad for him, popping pills, his apartment. The Ben and Felicity shift, the change in their dynamic. But you're right. It didn't all happen on this episode. But here it gets thrown in our faces. I mean, Ben leaving the apartment, deciding to talk to Felicity. What? <laughs> I do yeah. think like the the way we see Edward Porter might, might have been altered in that episode. I mean, it's going to depend on how he continues to be because he did walk into this episode all blustery and such. And sure you did. have one interpretation and I have another. So it kind of depends on which way you think about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, it's like you, you do kind of have to feel for the guy whose you know wife has left him and won't talk to him and doesn't want anything to do with him and on the other hand think about what he had to do to her to make her have that reaction to him Mm -hmm. like sometimes you have to accept the consequences of your actions felicity Mm -hmm. and now her dad Mm -hmm. and then you know maybe if he actually changes 
he can have something else in the future. But I don't know, without, without seeing him become more respectful and affectionate and caring, I can't feel 100% bad for him. He's got a roof over his head. He's got medical care. He's got a great job, you know, so his boxes weren't unpacked. Sorry. I, I know that I have a different opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm not feeling it for him. Okay. Seems fair. But I do agree with the Ben stuff. Yeah. All right. Love it. Love the, love the interpretations here. We've got one more from Colleen Tenbis, who was catching up on our podcast about true colors mm-hmm. and wanted to weigh in because first of all, you fish knocked her off of the rails with something you said. I know. Uh, so Colleen quotes you here. She says, Ben is to Greg as Noel is to beats. Oh yeah. <laughs> I almost had to pull my car over. I was laughing so hard. I agree that true colors is a perfect 10. I love the on again, off again, bromance between Ben and Noel. I look forward to a future episode that Melissa will undoubtedly write in flying beer cans. LOL. Oh, Wow. Yeah, Colleen. Thank you for safe driving. Yes. Thank you. Wait, didn't she say almost? <laughs> oh, almost. Colleen! <laughs> we care for your safety. Thank you for considering safe driving. <laughs> Look, if you all, if you ever feel like you're unable to operate machinery while listening to our podcast, pull over. Stop, stop for a moment. Keep a listening. Warning? Should we have a warning at the, we at the start? Disclaimer. Like, you know, warning. Do not operate heavy machinery while listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, something like what would be on Edward Porter's diazepam bottle. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we love all of you. This is so great. Oh my goodness. Well, Fish, given that segue, shall we go ahead and rate the episode? Yeah, I'm going to say you should go first because I I want to hear whether or not uh, Colleen was right. Well, I did. I did. Oh, to Colleen Tenbis. This episode is rated in the unit of measurement of flying beer cans. Oh, I hope you rated it low. Pornel's head. I know. (laughs) <laughs> well, I've been a little, I've been fluctuating a little bit on this, not with a huge spread, but I think I'm putting this one at a nine. I'm going to go nine out of 10 flying beer cans. That is um, going to be painful. It's going to, especially, I mean, that flying, that one flying beer, beer can that we saw was, it had a really hard contact. <laughs> yeah, it, he did not toss it lightly. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they added a sound effect in. Whoever threw that beer can, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) like major league pitcher, that's what they should be. I don't know. In my mind, it was Scott Speedman because maybe he had a beef with Noel and they just needed, no wait, he had a beef with Scott Foley and they just needed to like, you know, have it out. Could be. That could be. Well, okay. So I said nine out of 10 and here's the thing. Um, I so hate politics. I know that when this episode comes up, (laughs) I don't look forward to it at all. I'm just like, I could be anywhere but here. 
but don't you just like skip through and watch the Ben and Noel scene? <laughs> but so no, but oh. when I really sat with this and I really looked at the episode, I thought they did a very, um, like from an episode construction standpoint and from like the way they balanced serious topics and lighthearted stuff from the, I mean, I think the Ben and Noel stuff lifts this a lot. But when I actually looked at the construction of the episode, I thought it was really solid. Um, I, I have to put away that we're getting into a topic that is not that interesting to me in terms of like getting deeply into um, into protesting and politicking and 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 that's not even to like come down on any side of the issue because I'm just. It's not a thing I really want to unpack, but like the, when I put that away to watch it with you, it was like, when I actually watched the scenes they gave us, it's like, you know, they really set up a lot of things that they did here. There was a lot of payoff. They involved a lot of the characters. Um, it was an episode that certainly feels distinct and yeah, I mean, and I loved some of the directorial choices and some of the camera angles. I mean, that angle, that, that angle with the TV and Ben and Noel, it, there's stuff that they did here that like the way they shot Ben and Noel getting up in the morning hungover <laughs> was almost poetic. <laughs> It was like artistically, like, how can we make the audience feel this pain? Um, <laughs> I just, I thought they did some really good stuff in this episode, despite like, I didn't want to like it, you know, like I, <laughs> like I just didn't, I didn't want to be interested in it. And a nine in spite of itself. Yeah, it really was. So I was, I was surprised. Um, but what do you think of this one, Fish? So I haven't said it in a while. Uh, I rate in gloves. That's always my unit of measurement. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know I just haven't said it. <laughs> so everything I, I rate is in gloves. Um, I, I did love. And <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of things that I thought were hilarious. I, I loved Ben and Noel. I loved... Berkey. Berkey. You did it. <laughs> Loved Berkey. Uh, that great appearance by Lane and the fact that I got you to call her Lane. You did. Um, and and I, I really enjoyed um, Felicity standing up for herself. I mean, she's still impulsive, right? Is she really mm -hmm. considering what, uh, like, a record you know, is going to look, <laughs> what her future is going to look like? Uh, probably not. Um, but she'll probably be fine. Um, she'll just have to do more community service. And, uh, and I liked how this moved Greg and her forward. Um, and I liked Megan's threat. I'm just waiting. <laughs> I, I just, I'm like looking forward to whatever that mm -hmm. ends up being because okay. um, I feel like she's serious. Uh, so 
yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff to like. Um, the way that I rate episodes is basically like how I feel about the episode mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, watching it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily, like if I put on another lens to watch it, then it's something that, that came naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe if I watched them again, I'd have different ratings but i just i i did not like how they dealt with protests and Mm -hmm. i certainly think it doesn't hold up in 2022 at all Mm -hmm. um and i am someone who is very interested in social justice it's my career and um you know looking at at structural change and societal change and it was a very 90s view of this, I guess, even though I still think there were a lot of organizations that were ahead of their time um, and, and operating uh, in a much more structured way back then. Um, so I am going to give this one a 6.5. Okay. And I think that's fair because, um, you know, Fish, like your level of scrutiny, our scrutiny of this episode is going to be completely different because of our different interests, you know? So like stuff that bothered you about this was not going to hit my radar. And in fact, it's like, that's the stuff I'd fast forward through. Like if I, if I could and like get to some of the other stuff. So this makes a lot of sense to me why this is pretty far off, but um, there you have it folks. Those are the ratings that we've got for this episode. And you know, where, where does it sit for you? We would love to hear from you. Get, you know, whatever feedback you have, maybe about this episode or other episodes or season two or Felicity fan art, you can write to us at the Melissa fish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L two S's the Melissa fish at gmail.com. You can also find us and so many other really cool people on Instagram at Felicity podcast. And then if you want to know when we drop a new episode, we send out a newsletter when we do every week. So You can sign up for that. If you go to the show notes, wherever you're listening to this, you'll see a link to sign up for our newsletter so that you can receive those. And, you know, if you want to continue to expand this community, maybe meet some other people who, or at least introduce some other people who enjoy the show Felicity to this podcast, go ahead and rate or review us. If you have those options, wherever you're listening to this podcast, just helps more people find it. And next week, fish. We are going to get to an episode entitled Documentary 2. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's an easy one. I think it's about uh, the documentary or, yeah. or maybe even a second one. Really good guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, hey, hey, look, if you're going to just, you know, float them over the plate to me, I'm going to take a swing. Like, yeah. I, never, I never mind that because... Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I ramble about time and, like, the world revolving around the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not my best. Well, nice. Okay. So, uh, folks, I mean, it seems like she pretty much nailed it on that one. That's fine. Um, <laughs> look, that's what's coming up for us. We're excited about it. We're ready to go. Anything else you want to say about this one, Fish? Not about this episode in particular, but I do want to give a shout out 
to full for film on Instagram. Uh, so we've been doing this for about what nine months or so. And uh, this was one of the first accounts that I saw and fell in love with tons of edits of just sexy, sexy men. And I noticed there were a, a number of Ben Covington edits and there was one of Scott Foley, but it was of uh, Jake Ballard. Uh, and so for the last nine months, I have been hounding <laughs> for film to please give us a Noel Crane edit. Uh -huh. And oh boy, did they. They gave us one. Now, Fulver Film is admittedly a Team Ben fan. And for all of you Team Ben people out there, do yourself a favor because this is a brilliant, brilliant Team Ben edit of Noel. <laughs> they, my understanding is that at Fool for Film found a lot of footage of facial hair on Noel that you weren't happy about. <laughs> a lot, a lot of facial hair, a lot of unfortunate number of buttons uh, being like unbuttoned, a lot of um, like spit takes right into the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't want to ruin all of it for you. So please just, um, just go and watch it. It's for those of you who know what's ahead, like Leon was amply represented and then fish got a little spoiled on that. And I said, fish, that's your problem. That's you, yeah. you, you, you play in the playground, you get a little yep. sand on you. That's what happens, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm okay with it because I, I looked at it and I was like, Leon, that's just yeah. Noel spelled backwards. Sure Who's is. Leon? And then I was like, oh my goodness, he doesn't, does he? He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't actually refer to himself as Leon. Guys, right? I mean, listeners, right? you don't have to worry about giving anything <laughs> away with your screams and cries, but it's, you know, I'm doing what I can here to keep it together. Oh. We're not far from that, that phase either, I'll be honest. Um, but... Hey, you know, more to look forward to. Every step of the way, there's more to look forward to. I just can't even, I can't imagine. I mean, my head may explode if, oh, yeah. if it's like, I mean, if someone else refers to him that way, that's one thing. But like, oh man, if he goes third person, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, Fish, just, uh, you know, for now, just comfort yourself with your new edit <laughs> from yeah. Bible for Film. <laughs> You really and, put and in the man deep, hours, the real hard work to make this thing happen. Yes. And deep appreciation for that. I, I think that it is amazing. Go to them on Instagram. Give them a follow. Watch all of their other edits. Uh, they're brilliant. They're just brilliant. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think otherwise we've pretty much covered it for today. So yep. until next time, fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone.